the conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody exclusive. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yeah. Yes, good match. Now, Lenny's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get played away. Hello and welcome to episode 200 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Jack Harper, Tom Kennett and Alex Jones. We have one big show today, one episode, five guests. It's a huge one. We're going to rotate in every 15 to 20 minutes. Sean, unfortunately, does have a little less time than everyone else, but he's on for the intro, so no prep required on his end. I've gone old school here to get us straight into it. Some news of the week and then straight back for it. I can't believe that was on TV. <laughs> so You really are treating us. Exactly. News of the week. Not much this week, so it worked quite nicely. If you were interested, Alex, uh, My Militia is a new dating site where right-wing extremists find relationships and fantasise about violence. So <laughs> That is right up Alex's street. <laughs> it really is. I dare you. I, dare, I, I, I think I'm the least right-wing. I'm, I'm the least... Well, if I'm going to be put in the right-wing not the least camp. right-wing, if that's what you're about to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, pulled, I pulled out of that. I pulled out of that. But, uh, if, uh, if, Alex, uh, I'm certainly not the most right-wing person here. You've gone for the Donald Trump defence now. I like it. I'm the least <laughs> racist person in this room. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember seeing that meme of um, uh, an app called Rumbler, where essentially you swipe left for people that you'd fight. And so if you match, then you can arrange to go and scrap. <laughs> That's superb. Uh, Florida wildlife investigators bust million-dollar flying squirrel trafficking ring. Jeez. I mean, at that uh, point, they've got to get off just for the fact that that's so ingenious. <laughs> do, do you reckon they ever sit back and just think, you know what, we'll give them a pass on this one. That is brilliant. All the shit going on in Florida, yeah. they just allow that. They're, yeah. they're going st- to clamp down on this. There's men going around with all sorts and every news of the week. <laughs> the thing is, of all the things that you probably could sell of, oh, it wasn't a priority, flying squirrels, you could probably sell over just general drugs and all that sort of stuff. But <laughs> Anyway. I've got, I've got this image of flying squirrels with their hands and handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs> Tie it to a lamppost. Getting their one, getting their one phone call. Just a cup and... um, Norwegian minister in charge of daylight saving time apologises for adding another hour to 2020. 
Dunkin' Donuts releases new spicy ghost pepper donut and actual humans are eating it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, this is going into man versus food territory where he eats food he has to wear gloves to handle, but then just eats it. I don't trust a food that you have to wear protective PPE for. (laughs) But then Soldier. I'm all for a bit of sweet and savoury or sweet and spicy, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure on that one. No. I'm not uh, sure about going in with skin. It's kind of like throwing it back to the Sensations chilli and chocolate crisps. Okay. Oh. Mm. Scientists drive tiny robot inside a living butthole. <laughs> no more context there than what we have. <laughs> um, isn't, that, isn't that the Dexter's Laboratory episode? I was just had that image in my head, yeah. Where it goes in through the ear. <laughs> yeah, going through the ears is a bit different there. <laughs> Man goes on first date with woman. She brings 23 family members along for the meal. What? <laughs> <laughs> Jersey Shore, Vinny, and he brings the family along. <laughs> 23. First date's Forest of Dean edition. <laughs> the pressure on that one. Um... Pervert wakes up from 10-year coma and asks nurse for her Blackberry pin. Did <laughs> <laughs> you just oh, say pervert? Yeah, uh, say pervert. Superb. I, I love how they've assumed that he's a pervert because he uses a back for Blackberry still. Maybe because it's the first thing he said when he woke up to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into I can't believe that was on TV. So that, was your, that was your prime on BBM. It was. Yep. I can't believe that was on TV, so we're going for game shows. If I've mentioned some of these before, I don't think I have, but I'll apologise in advance. Anyway, we're going back to 1954 here. Queen for a Day, the show was called. It ran for 16 years until 1970. So, many think TV today is exploitative, but current shows seem tame compared to Queen for a Day, which pitted desperate women against each other just to receive something they critically needed. A group of women would be interviewed in front of an audience and asked to tell their tales of why they were the most downtrodden and hopeless of the group. <laughs> Many women stated they needed things like medical care, new appliances they couldn't afford, or help caring for an ill child. The most miserable woman was voted by the audience and deemed the winner. Oh my god. Where about Sensational. <laughs> that was in, I think that was in England to be fair. Bloody hell. So, 1954. To be, um, to be fair, we might look back on like Rich House, Poor House with the same vein in about 10 we, years. We've had mental ones. We had Repo Men, we had that Strictly Come Dancing where the losers got <laughs> voted off and didn't get what they wanted and someone was competing for a kidney. So we had plenty and those were in the 2000s. So this is <laughs> Dog Eat Dog 2002-2003. Oh boy. Bay, Baywatch's Brooke Burns hosted this lost gem of a game show that challenged people's mental and physical strengths. The show was filmed in a giant arena full of mechanics in an aerial jungle gym. Challenges included making contestants strip, repeatedly flipping them upside down while they answered questions, and in one of the show's notoriously offensive segments, he or she, where they were presented with six people and had to guess their gender. <laughs> wow. Uh, oh, wow. I'd be an Russian minefield on so many levels in this day. Exactly. Um, Russian roulette, 2002, 2003. 
we have to whiz through some of these because I've realised we've got Connor in eight minutes. Uh, you can't shoot someone live on TV yet. So the game, sheep, game show Russian Roulette came out with a unique way to play the infamous game. Contestants would stand on a giant revolving cylinder, and if they answered a question wrong, they pulled a lever, which sometimes would open a trapdoor beneath them, causing them to fall several feet under the stage. And they had to sign a waiver so they couldn't uh, sue for any injuries. <laughs> wow. The Chamber, 2002, uh, a show that literally just tortured contestants as they tried to answer quiz questions. It was cancelled after three episodes. Contestants would be strapped into chairs and put in chambers. Temperatures could soar to 170 Fahrenheit or drop to minus 20. The chair would violently shake, oxygen levels were reduced, and air cannons blasted guns of up to 140 miles an hour straight in their face. Jesus. At what point does this start to go towards the movie, the Saw movies? Because well, I want to play a game. After three episodes, so there we go. Uh, the bum game, we're getting into some Japanese shows now where they're all quite straight to the point. Uh, it says they managed to combine all things inappropriate, degrading, and hilarious into an easy to consume cocktail. It all started with a few women placing their rear ends through an open port in a large wall, and on the other side of that wall, a couple of lucky contestants then have to kiss the exposed bums and guess which one belongs to which girl. Wow. Blimey. I feel like a video of this has popped up on Facebook. I feel Probably like... Will be, but yours, it, so Facebook does tend to go by things you like, so <laughs> whatever you've been searching. I do like Japanese... For... I, I, I do like oh. Japanese culture, but <laughs> not, <laughs> not yeah. that. I thought you said Japanese guys, then. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the Soapy Stairs game. This one probably packed the most painful punch. Quite simple. Contestants had to run up some stairs, but of course, easier said than done. The stone stairs would be covered in grease, and when contestants inevitably slipped and fell, they'd batter all their limbs on the stony steps and slide into a pool of water and then have to do it again. See, I saw this the other day, actually. It popped up on my Facebook, and someone got right to the top, and then someone slipped and then knocked everyone back down to the start again. <laughs> It was brilliant. <laughs> um, spread your legs. A big colourful wheel with numbers on it, like the price is right. But unfortunately, ladies in this game show weren't spinning for a spot in the showcase showdown. Instead, after one woman spun the colourful wheel, another female contestant endured a device that spread her legs further and further apart. The distance spread Whoa. corresponded with the number spun. Sounds painful as you'd imagine, but whoever made it through the most spins emerged as the winner. What happens if they didn't? Do they just snap their legs? <laughs> Fortunately, I don't think anyone got that far. <laughs> Temptation Island. This aired 2001, 2003, and then was rejuvenated in 2019, and it's still going today. Several couples go on a tropical retreat with a group of single people to see if they're going to stay with their current partner or cheat on them on national television. There was a show about that recently as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 2019 to present. Make or break, I think it's called. <laughs> the newlywed game, another one does what it says on the tin. Couples appear a week after being married and have to stand on stage while private investigators who've been tracking them for the last six months reveal every bit of dirt they managed to find on them. 
<laughs> and ask them at the end of the show if they wish to remain married or have it annulled. Brilliant. And then finally, Wild West Showdown. This may be what we won over the other week. Wild West Showdown is one of those more obscure entries, but hands down one of the most interesting. A short-lived series that pitted contestants in Old West-style competitions to cash prizes in what was essentially American gladiators with cowboys. Contestants engaged in log rolling, jumping on runway stagecoaches, and being dragged by a horse while tied to a rope. (laughs) (laughs) All culminating in an old-fashioned showdown. There we go. What, where they take a shot at each other? Yeah. (laughs) That's entertaining. Some of these could be great if they brought them back today. I still think the worst one we've ever had was the woman who had to guess who her legitimate father was and they had to try and dupe her to get the cash over her whereas if she got it right her and her dad made the money there was also there i don't know if it's necessarily the worst one but in terms of the weird one another japan flashback was i'm pretty sure you said once where they effectively uh, toss a guy off on tv and you have to you try and lower the tone you, <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's yeah, what yeah you're the one who brought up the Yes, that's the one, yeah. That's his love for Japanese guys shining through. The one, yeah. the one you when he's a culture. The one you said <laughs> there as well reminded me of the... What was the one called where she had to like, tell the truth to win money or like a partner was there as well? And yeah. Brutal questions. That was the one that we did on our Christmas episode. But that I was phenomenal. What it was called. Yeah, yeah, it's on it YouTube phenomenal. somewhere, isn't it? Yeah, because okay. we tried doing an episode with asking Alex the questions and he just... <laughs> Gave no comment to every answer. So <laughs> Literally murdered the segment. After we'd hyped was it up no a com- week before. There was no comment to have. <laughs> so, Sean, 200 episodes in now. What's been your favourite moment on the podcast and your favourite episode? I don't know. Favourite moment. I don't know if I can name one. I mean, there, there's a few I can think of. There's the Hammers Rodriguez moment, the initial one, and then made even better by the fact of, of what's happened yeah. since. Um, the bit where you, the moment where you said Harrison Barnes was responsible for Golden State winning the championship. <laughs> that was taken out of context. <laughs> uh, so th- those two, those two particularly stand out. Favorite episode? I might go episode 100 with a symmetry. Nice. That was, that was a very good episode. Or any mm. episode that I'm on. Also. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, we'll have to bid farewell to you now, Sean. I didn't think it would take as long to go through those game shows, but <laughs> I'm sure we'll have you back on uh, the not, not too distant That's future. Right. Well, I enjoy Movie Madness to the rest this of the Thursday, guests. so uh, there we go. Adios. Ciao. Ciao. There we go. One guest down. We've already had one try to reschedule, not being able to, and they've cancelled their other plans. This is what episode 200 means. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> carnage. I'll tell you what is going to be interesting, that whether people realise that we're recording instantly. Yeah, we're going to get the kind of awkward hello stage, aren't we? <laughs> Sorry, lads, the message is playing out so I had to hit it or something. You're not recording that. <laughs> You're not recording, are you? <laughs> no, no, that's fine. <laughs> Trying to find Connor's... Uh... Oh, is that it? If not, I've added someone random to the call.
we're also going to have that like this a fair amount of them coming in or or, or not. It's not like when on episode 100 where you had people physically in the house. Now we're, we're having to guess. Hey, it's the kind of day and age we live in. It's the new normal. Oh, no. Damn Rona. Where is Harmer? He did tell me he was ready. It's, not, it's just unprofessional, this is. I know, I feel like a proper... Uh, radio host as well after to uh, kind of coordinate things beforehand we can have any we'll have to do one episode where we have like live callers coming in it's odd enough when they're planned Connor are you with us here it is I'm here I'm here there we go we're already recording so don't say anything too outrageous I'll I'll try to hold back I imagine you said a few outrageous things already (laughs) Uh, we 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 went back to going through game shows, so we oh, are really going back in the vault. We haven't so got to the you Arsenal are... subject then. No, we're not on Arsenal yet. I don't think ah. we're coming on Arsenal today, actually. Actually, well, we got Ertzil at seven o'clock. So we've got you on. If we go back a hundred episodes to episode one hundred, you sat in the chair in front of us. United were preparing to face PSG. Hadn't lost in the league since Oli had taken over. You'd just yeah. beaten Arsenal in the FA Cup, but you weren't sure whether he should be given the job. Has anything changed? I would say we're in the same position we were. A <laughs> hundred episodes <laughs> later. <laughs> it, it's one of the, I was listening on TalkSport the other day, actually, and they said the same thing. It was like, he gets a result and a performance that you think, yeah, that's that's really good. And then you then get the Chelsea result straight after and you think, is he actually going to take them to the next step of winning the league and challenging for the Champions League? Or is he just doing a good job for now? And it's, it's hard to differentiate between that, I think. I, I have like a kind of opposition fan point of view on this. I actually quite like it in the sense that... If he <laughs> That's not good. If he <laughs> yeah, if he didn't keep getting points and beating us, it'd be even better. But he'll give you just enough hope that you think you're back and then the next game will just shovel some absolute shit into our TVs. So his Premier League record is played 82, won 35, drawn 20, lost 27. Does that include Cardiff? Uh, no, that's just for United. Oh, Christ. Yeah, that's not great, is it, when you put it that way? It was better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I, I just thought there was a lot. It sounds like a lot. If of we losses. go back a couple of months, um, you've got the best attack in the league, so you've got to do, you've got to get some credit for that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. If but if I put a, a big red year. button in front of you now, you press it and Ollie is sacked instantly. Do you press it? You don't get to choose who the manager is. That's down to the club and how they work and close a deal. But do Top you press price. the big red button? No. Not not if it it can't confirm who is going to be the next manager so you don't trust United to get a better replacement basically if if you say Poch is the next manager the buttons be impressed <laughs> interesting so how what can Ollie do because expectations aren't particularly high for United as it is for most teams outside of Liverpool and Chelsea uh, Liverpool and City really Yes, yeah. finishes high up in the top four. The Chelsea's probably a bit higher. So, 
what is what can Ollie do to be sacked? Because <laughs> I think he was close to the other week. Mm. After the Spurs game, I think had he lost against PSG and lost Chelsea, I think he would have been very, very close to being sacked. But I think those performances have given him another. Well, I don't know because it's tough running games now. It's Arsenal on the weekend, and then. Don't worry, we always fail to turn yeah, up against yeah. you, and you always turn up against us. Lingard, well, think, we can probably go back to. Yeah, I think <laughs> yes, yeah, Arsenal in the week, and then I'm sure it's Leipzig in the Champions yeah, League that week as well. So again, it's, it's not going to get any easier the running games really. Um, that game that we just had before you came on on episode 100 was when Sanchez had scored against us in the FA Cup. So even that wasn't enough. Bloody hell. There were a few and far between those kind of goals for him, wasn't it? Wasn't given a time, was he? Wasn't given a time. And he wanted out ASAP. I feel like they didn't incentivise him enough, really, did they? With enough money. (laughs) I think the worst thing from a United point of view is, like you said before, where nothing's changed. Like Since he's taken over, you've got a decent result in you and then five games of shit. And there just doesn't seem to be any progress. And then just when you think, right, that's it, we've had enough, he pulls out a fairly decent result and then that's you stuck in the same rat race for about another five weeks. That was Wenger's specialty, that was. <laughs> I think he has improved the overall... How about the, the overall, like... The look of the feeling, club, I think. The feeling at the club? The feel, yeah, the feeling at the club. I think he has improved that from what it was. Um, it can't be that. It can't be that much of an improvement since you had to think about it for that long. Well, I, I just think you have to think when Jose left, it couldn't have got much sort of grimmer then. No, but then I think Jose got second. But then I think the like, the morale around it was it just seemed to feel bad. For Biggest everyone. achievement of his career, don't forget. Yeah, looking back now, he's probably right. Um, more reflection how garbage all the other teams were. How does it make you feel, Alex, as a United fan? Excellent, should I say? <laughs> how dare, how dare you, how dare you? I, I do have some other questions for you, Connor. So, how do you feel about what Rashford's doing? Obviously, he's getting praise <laughs> from ninety percent of the country, but you click under any tweet of his, and it's United fans peppering him, telling him focus on your football. That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> are they United fans or are they Luke Byron under fake accounts? <laughs> I know you've had. I know you've had previous. <laughs> I haven't had previous. <laughs> it wouldn't be to outmarket Rashford either. <laughs> I'd be getting dirt on Harry Kane. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, what he's doing is is brilliant. Um, I mean, I yeah, obviously, I I don't really think he. I think he's in fairly decent form at the moment. Um, he seems to be picking up. Obviously, he did have that one spell where it was kind of towards the end of lockdown when the Premier League began again. He didn't. He wasn't sort of firing on all cylinders. And then the start of the season again, he seemed to look. Some people said he looked a bit sluggish, but I don't know. The last few weeks, he seems to have picked up again. He's he scored a few goals, and whether his confidence is coming back, and he's kind of found a balance between it both. Then, but obviously, it's what he's doing outside of football. It's a lot, a lot to take on, especially for somebody of his age. And what about? Donny van der Beek mm. ever came out during the broadcast on Saturday and said 
no one else is going to say it. We don't need him. Why have we signed him? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I read, um, cause again, they were talking about on TalkSport and Simon Jordan was saying about this morning, but I did read a comment from somebody who said maybe they brought Van der Beek because they brought him right at the start of the window. Maybe they thought Pogba was going to go. <clears throat> And they kind of had that as a as an early replacement before anyone else could get him or before Ajax would kind of drive the price up, knowing that United need a replacement. And then it turned out that he ended up not going because of the pandemic and, and obviously no one been able to afford him. So I don't know whether that was a problem. I he's looked he's good had... in the brief little cameo he had. Though. Yeah, the, yeah, agreed. The, the Palace game, he came on and scored. He, uh, he's, he's, the Newcastle game, when he came on, he, he played well. So... I don't really know what more he can do. The problem he's got is probably he'd probably rather play like more advanced where Fernandez isn't going to get dropped for anyone at the moment, really. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say where his probably best position is, maybe. maybe Surely you see if he can do a better job than Scott McTominay. Well, the fact that he started McTominay and Fred... And he's dropped Pogba for the last two games, I think says quite a lot in that I think Pogba's got quite a job to come back in because those the, the midfielders have actually looked quite good the last three games. It's, I think it helps Fernandez having more defensive-minded players behind him. And, Definitely. And sort of that performance at PSG doesn't happen without those two in that, I don't think. Oh, no, no, no way. It was a perfect... I, that was Unfortunately, if you want me to volley, that was kind of the perfect performance. Probably the best we've yeah. seen United in a long time. It, it seems like a good blend with those mm. three in the middle, whereas I think when you have Pogba in there, with it, it doesn't seem to work as well. The chemistry's not, not there. So I think Van der Beek will probably struggle. And for me, I, I thought it was quite strange, but he brought Pogba on... He played out on the left against PSG when he came on. And even when mm. at Chelsea, I'm sure he's... I only saw part of the game, but I'm sure, again, he came on on, on sort of the left-hand side of the... rather than playing in the middle. So maybe that's a future kind of role for him. I'm not too sure, but... It's a difficult guess, one with Van der Beek. I, I you're probably quite feel, lucky that on Saturday you didn't have to play against a £75 million midfielder in the middle of the park to boss the game. <laughs> So you got off quite lightly. <laughs> mm. I think the most exciting thing about Saturday was Hasselbank versus Evera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they saved the show, didn't they? Yeah, literally just went off. It's brilliant. Yeah. Finding some drama. But yeah, I, I don't know where Van der Beek comes in, to be honest. I mean, he deserves a chance. I was surprised he hasn't played him in... Well, the, I don't know whether he'll play this week, maybe, against uh, Istanbul on Wednesday. Maybe that would be for somebody. I know that a lot of people have said he's maybe not as physical for the Premier League, but obviously he's, he's been brilliant in the Champions League previously. So it seems weird why you wouldn't play him in that, considering you'd expect United to win. This um, is where you miss the Europa, isn't it? Europe <laughs> Premier competition, <laughs> which you know very well. Wouldn't you agree, Alex? Mm. No. Have some respect. Yeah, have some respect. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see where he plays. I don't know whether... It, sometimes it can take, like, an injury or uh, somebody come, to come out of form for, for somebody to get a chance, but it does seem weird that he's... It's not like he's he's brought him on for half hour or a half, or it's always, like, five minutes at the end, ten minutes at the end, where he, he can't really come on and impact games. And I don't know, it, it seems a bit sort of baffling to everyone, really. 
Were you shocked? Oh, Alex Tellers didn't start on Saturday. Sorry, TK. No, well, he wasn't, in the, he wasn't in the squad, so I don't know whether there was an injury. <sighs> I'm assuming it must be an injury for him not to be in the squad because I thought he played very well. Yeah, he looked very good. Um, but again, Shaw sure, sure played quite <clears> well, I thought, actually, on, on Saturday. He was and the he one got, asking for competition, so he probably yeah. to step up. Mm. He played well <laughs> against PSG, actually, as well, in the back three, so I don't know whether... I thought United looked more suited to the back three. But then no, I don't know whether they could do that against some of the, the smaller teams in the league, whether they would get enough out of it attacking wise. PSG kind of opened up a little bit for made it easy for United in, in some some ways because they, they were so open as well. What were you gonna to say, TK? I was just gonna say I wonder how much impact Van der Beek's agent coming in literally after the first game and kicking up a fuss <laughs> has kind of hindered him. I wonder if that's had any impact because well, every notorious in Holland for just being an asshole, basically. Right, because it, it, it's only cameos, but he does look. It's not like he's not doing things when he does come on. Yeah, well, Van Basten came out and said something about it. They were they were saying on Talksport earlier, um, and that kind of he's like the golden boy over there, Van der Beek. So it's a bit of outrage that he's not getting the game time. Mm. Which, which His performance against Spurs in the first leg of the Champions League semi where they were all over Spurs for like the first half especially that was he looked unreal there so if you can get anything close to the player that was playing in that team and you'd imagine yeah. you're going to be able to especially well, if, I mean, if seems, United are getting towards that way it seems weird that you can't say that he's inexperienced because he's got to a Champions League semi-final they, they beat English teams along the way and I think he was in the team that got to the Europa League final when United beat him, so he's got a lot of sort of pedigree in, in terms of Europe and playing against English teams. So I, I, it seems a bit strange to me, really. But maybe did you deeper. feel that you were getting one over on Di Maria when you beat PSG? <laughs> Didn't see I, as you... many United fans this time giving him quite personally the stick that they had the last time. You you know my thoughts on Di Maria. He was he was, uh, a, he was a hit. <laughs> he was a part hit, shall we say? <laughs> Those five assists go unnoticed. I tell you. My word. He did say if if he had ten more, he'd have beat De Bruyne. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are your words rather than mine. <laughs> they weren't. They certainly weren't my words. <laughs> Me and TK were in disbelief. <laughs> I was going to say when Connor joined the pod and you said don't say anything outrageous because like, Connor's already set the bar with that so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> underrated if, he was if we go back to Oli so of all the managers in the Premier League if you could do a swap today are there any managers you would swap Oli for Uh there is. I'm just trying to think of how many. Is Klopp exactly. one of them? <laughs> yeah. Klopp and Pep would be one. Lampard Two. as well. No. <laughs> wow. I think he'd rather have Mourinho back than Lampard in. <laughs> yeah. I think true. I'd rather have Unai Emery true. than Lampard. Crikey me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Jack say... would rather have Jack would rather have Mourinho back than Lampard in. Nah, it's a lie. Fabrication. <laughs> I would say... If Jack could put one matter in charge, maybe. 
Knight I'd say or... three, potentially four. Do you want me to name them? Yeah, go on. Go on. Is Dodge one of them? Cop. Pep. Ancelotti. And this might surprise you. Kassenhutl. I'd, I'd go with that. Are you saving Arteta for after? I was, I was thinking about him, but I don't think he's done enough as of yet. I'm not taking you, Santos. He's won two trophies. You said, stop with, oh, stop God, with the two. God. The FA Cup's enough. That's enough. <laughs> the Community Shield is a trophy, TK. It should be in the centre of your shirt like Liverpool had that uh, World Club Championship briefly. That's just a foreign Community Shield. <laughs> you got to win two games to win that, though, so it's different. Shield. You mentioned, uh, you said Carlo Angelotti, didn't you, Connor? Yeah. So. Bring that Italian sauce. I'll I'll be having Chris Wilder, Nuno. You take Chris remember, Wilder. Remember, we were linked with Nuno. Over, and overall, he I was on board. We had our 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 fans were hating the idea. He's he's not won a game this season, has he? And Brendan. Oh, Brendan, Brendan again. I think he's a bit hit and miss. What are you boys What has what has all he done? He hasn't done anything. At least these managers have had some degree and they've shown but, like some regression. He at least can use a lipsal. <laughs> I'm sick of you spitting his chaplets. Brendan and them chaplets. <laughs> I'm so sick of you. Mm. Yeah, I think those would be the only four I would take, definitely. Well, I'd say three, three and a half. Hasn't it? Obviously, he got experience with... Um, he was Leipzig manager, wasn't he, for a little bit, so a fairly big club. Would you take David Wagner? <laughs> Definitely not. He talks a good game. Uh, he was Klopp's best mate, wasn't he? <laughs> he, got, he got away with that for years. <laughs> Living by a thread on that. Well, that's Scott Parker. He looked good in that United suit. <laughs> he would. He does rock he a suit very part. well, to be fair. We glossed over Steve last week talking about Scott Parks. I really hope he becomes a good manager. I just really hope he does. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll go for those those four. If you had to put money on how long Ollie lasts, yeah. does he see out his contract? Does he get sacked before? Does he leave before maybe the Madrid or Barca job comes up or something? <laughs> When is the uh, when's the contract up? Do you know how long he's got left? I'll try to put a look for you. <laughs> Crikey me, twenty twenty six. No, it's not. It is. You gave him a four year extension. Jesus, that about sums United up. Um, hey, phenomenal. we offered Mustafi a new contract today, and he turned <laughs> it down today. Where the news start? came out today. Oh, Christ. Um, That's 2026 I'll... news was on a page called Soccer on Sunday, so Christ. maybe it's right. I would say... You're already okay, vouching for that. It's definitely not, because I've just read the actual article. It says, I'm delighted Solskjaer told Soccer on Sunday. When you do a terrible job and lose most games, some chairman might sack you for that. So for Ed to turn around and reward me for failing is a dream come true. That tells you the measure of the man. A dozy see you next Tuesday with a heart of gold. <laughs> so, Super. let's try and find out what it actually ends. 
Yeah, I, I think he he may go at the end of the season, dependent he was on given, the results. He was given the contract in 2019, and it's a three-year deal. So, yeah, I, I think next year will be the year when he'll leave, if anything, and they just choose not to uh, extend it. I think end of the season, if they don't get top four, then I think he'll definitely go. If they don't win anything, that could put him under pressure. It, it may be before. I think if he goes on a bad run of results and they're not in the top four by Christmas, I think he could potentially go. And then finally, what's your prediction for Sunday? You're such a strange team, aren't you, at the moment? So are you. Um, I'll go... It's Old Trafford, so it should be pretty set in stone given recent results. <laughs> I'll go 2-1 United. Right. Who scores for Arsenal? Because we don't score many at the moment. Yeah, that's true. Um, and Katia comes on late and scores a consolation yeah. goal. And how many of your goals are penalties? Um, two. Both? <laughs> no. Well, uh, one. One will be a penalty. All right. Pleasure to have you join us. We'll have to leave you now. And we've got Steve coming on to debate with Jack as to who's a better player, Jared Bowen or Mason Mount. Jared Bowen. <laughs> the charmer has spoken. I saw Steve reading and I agree. Right. Au revoir. Ciao. Ciao. All right, then. Let's get Steve in here. And our Mexican. How are you feeling, Jack? You all right? (laughs) Yeah. Here he is. Hello. Steve, we are recording, so don't... I know the things that can come out of your mouth. (laughs) What are you on about? I'm so, episode 200. Congrats. Big performance last week. You've got the call-up again this week. And <laughs> you've been sending shots Jack's way. I have indeed. <laughs> I have indeed. <laughs> I'm ready. He's Ooh. ready. Jack, are you... Because I'd be worried if I was you. After Jack sent me his literal notes last week to prove Lampard isn't the woke. <laughs> I'd imagine he's going to take this very seriously. <laughs> you, have to, you have to take my name away. You can't be Statman Steve anymore, Statman Jack. <laughs> I still can't believe I didn't get to prove my point. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> well, I thought, as we we opened up with, uh, I can't believe I was on TV, so that was doing a throwback for the podcast. And what we'll do here. It will turn this into a change my mind for us to go back in time on the podcast. So, Steve, it's on you to try and change Jack's mind that Jared Bowen is a better player than Mason Mount. And then Will will tell you at the end if you've convinced us. That's fine. So, So Steve, the floor is yours. Why is Jared Bowen a better player than Mason Mount? All right, we're going to go straight into stats here. (laughs) <laughs> so obviously <laughs> Bowen was at home they finished 13th uh, in 18, 17, 18, 19 season same year that uh, Mason Mount was at Derby right yeah. so Bowen 
scored, played all 46 games in that championship. Uh, he scored 22, assisted four. Mason Mount in, uh, in the Derby team that finished sixth, again, had better players, played 38 games, scored nine and assisted four. Oof. So it's not great. And then I look... He's uh, done you here, Jack. <laughs> so Bowen only signed for West Ham in January, last day of the January transfer window. Since then, he's played 25 games, scored four and assisted four. Mason Mount's Chelsea career overall, admittedly there's a two-year difference, but still. Mount has played 41 games for Chelsea. He's only scored eight and assisted five. I personally believe if Bowen was in that Chelsea team, he would be more influential than Mason Mount. I think influential there is a, is a choice term because with Mason Mount, what he brings you is the work, work, work rate off the ball, which I don't think Jared Bowen does. You're ju- no, that's a lie already. That is the biggest Mace, ball. Mason Mount's goals per match is 0.19 to Bowen's 0.15. Hey, you've just signed William and said he's the best signing ever, and you're talking about goal contributions per game. Jack, I've just we, told we, you Mason Mount has more goals per match than Jared Bowen. Oh, he right. spoke over the top. Sorry, man. <laughs> okay. I, I, look, I'm on the warpath here. He's ready for you. you, you, you get caught in the so, so, Byron, you just said he has more goals. Is that in the Premiership or just in general? Premier League. So, Bowen, 26 appearances, four goals, four assists, 0.15 yeah. goals per match, six wins and 15 losses in his Premier League career. So, then again, so Mount is playing with people like Werner, He's playing with like Kante. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let me finish. Let me finish. He's playing with Werner. He's playing with Ziyech. He's playing Havertz. Players like William. All right, we'll go for last season as well. Tammy Abraham still scored a few goals last year. William. You've got William, who did score a few, I guess. I would Overall, say his, break, his, his breakthrough season in the Premier League, where he started pretty much every game for Chelsea, and he's two years younger than Jared Bone as well. So his progression pathway. If he's already averaging higher goal contribution per game than Jared Bowen, Jared Bowen was playing for Hereford four years ago. That's why <laughs> Mount has been at Chelsea since what the age of ten. Bowen has been at Hereford, signed for Hull on a free, and he's worked his way up. Okay, so how many prospects, minus obviously last season, but even last season, how many prospects that Chelsea have taken through their academy don't get the opportunity at Stamford Bridge? Whereas Mason Mount's good enough to not only but keep he, his he, spot in the Chelsea uh, Marco Van Ginkel. I, disag- I disagree with that because if they didn't have the transfer ban, he wouldn't have stayed 100%. I don't, I don't think no chance. Here, here. Convenient if you, if you, timing. If you look at all the signings <laughs> that we've made this season... He's going to say he's still there now though, isn't he? He has still he's, nailed down... He was on the bench on Saturday, wasn't he? He doesn't play often. so He doesn't play often. Oh, he has every yeah. single game. You're lacking. <laughs> he was on the bench on Saturday. That was the there's a reason. Game. That's the first game he's been rested in like ages. That's probably why. Chelsea fans, the one and they didn't score by is that a coincidence? <laughs> <laughs> so, exactly. Here's another one. So since the 17-18 season, when Bowen was from Hull to the Premier League, he's played a total of 143 games. He scored 56 goals and assisted 15. If you compare that to, to Mounts, this is from his Chelsea, two seasons in the Prem, his Derby days, uh, is it Vitesse in Holland? Vitesse, yeah. Ah. Vitesse. Chelsea's uh, second team. Yes, he's played 106 games, 25 goals, 17 assists. 
I think that's that, funny. That's funny. It, it, and arguably, <laughs> is. Mount has been in a team where I mean, he is made to that garbage. <laughs> You can't say that because fucking no, um, <laughs> David, David Nugent has He's a constantly been in a better team than Bowen, whatever the situation is at Chelsea. I'm saying if Bowen was in that Chelsea team, he'd be in the England team. That's not necessarily true. On the wing? De- 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 100%. You think he started on the wing for England? Wow, Mason Mount started. Yeah, going to say Mason Mount started. So his, his argument does have to. He yeah, does but have the thing is, you got to think Mason as well. How many the left against the best team in the world and got man in the match? How many? Are we giving him that goal? The deflection. Come on. Hey, it's a goal. It's a goal. He's <laughs> got to be there to score him. Deflection. It was half a Lampard's goals with deflections. So exactly. Can't be just fair. Take off him. <laughs> but um, the other thing that is why he said he'd be in the England team as well or he should be is that how many decent left footers have we got in England mm. Kyle Saka I said decent nibble nibble sending for everyone <laughs> I'm ready the for you boys the fact that you've had to fall back on the he's left footed kind of <laughs> argument that goes to show that he shouldn't be getting a team anyway wait what why? how <laughs> you can't. Like, it's Didn't like, you get that? Spun. When Chelsea when Chelsea <laughs> played West Ham in July, oh, yeah, start of July, where we were three two, Yarmolenko scored the winner. I swear, Mount was playing, didn't do anything. Jared Bowen had two assists against a pretty strong Chelsea team too. So we put him out there as the head to head. I mean, that wasn't the strongest Chelsea. I mean, we came back after the break, and it was really Look, weird. Strong. Look at our team. We were destined to go down. Regardless, it should have been an easy win and for Chelsea. Had, and then you had a resurgence after the break. You looked pretty decent. You carried on that form this season. Moisey. Give it to Moisey to the end of the season. Sir David Moisey. <laughs> I think we're trying to judge Mason Mount here when he's, like I said, two years behind where Jared Bowen would be on his progression plan. I think Mason Mount is, if we're talking about Oh, he, he could be better in this department, he could be better in that department. And the fact he's two years younger in his first season in the Prem, although I know it is Jared Bowen's first season as well. Second season in the Prem, not the first either. Well, yeah, second mm. season now, I suppose. Yeah. But I'm, <laughs> st- I'm still on COVID time. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had to like, pinch myself for the Rugby Premiership final. I said, is this still last season? I just, my brain broke for a second. <laughs> um, I think the fact that we're having this argument, he's younger... Um, and he's already had more England call-ups, he's already had more opportunities, and he gets into a better team than Jared Bowen does. I don't think Jared Bowen gets into that Chelsea team. You can't say that because... Look at Grealish, for example. Grealish's argument sake is better than Bowen and Mount, but he still doesn't get an England team. Yeah, but he got into the England team. Bowen didn't. He got into the what? Last England team, and Bowen didn't. Yeah, because I just said Grooch was better than Bowen. I just said that. I'm Tally saying Abraham. that Bowen and is... Mount is not better than Bowen overall. No chance Mount, in how. Mount's Works Mount's harder. At the moment. Yeah, I don't know how, because Southgate doesn't like him, that's why. Yep. Hey, he's done his uh, UA4A licence, he knows his stuff about football. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> I probably you remember that when you criticised Sorry. Well, he's yep. taking fags all the way through it. 
<laughs> well, he used to chew on him, didn't he? Yeah, weird guy. Strange guy. <laughs> That's charismatic. Come on. <laughs> some may say strange. Some would say misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, uh, Mason Mount's dad had to come out just to clarify that his son wasn't shook by Chelsea signing midfielders. Yeah, he had to send his dad for him. <laughs> I don't see Jared Bowen's dad coming out for him. <laughs> but at the end of the day, Overall work rate going forward and defensively, you'd rather have a Bowen in your team than a Mount. What are you basing that on? Like what? The eye test, Jack. The eye test. Yeah. Mm. Mason, <laughs> Mason Mount the harder. Defensively, Bowen. Bowen's he's caught a... the eye in the last what <clears throat> few games. Hey, hey, he's English and he works hard. Jack said it. Yeah. <laughs> that is the direct quote. That is. Wait, who was that? In, in selling Mount, he's English and he works out. Yeah, to be fair. That's, and that's what we said about Declan Rice one day. We were asking what he does. Wait, oh, wow. our next guest coming on to talk about, actually. Oh, wow. I'm I hope back. he's I'm ready. Like, I am firing from the hip. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I lead this into the next bit, then? No. No. Oh. no. <laughs> nope. I have a good and popular Bowen. opinion as you're going into Declan Rice. Well, but we'll save that for a minute. Left, Steve. Oh, fucking hell, have we? <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't so heard. Fresh out Bowen and Mount. I haven't heard Jack's real reply on why no. Mount is better than Bowen, if I'm honest. So, the games, were you going off total games for Chelsea? So Total games. Total games together. for Chelsea, which he'll be playing higher opposition than West Ham was doing. Because they'd be playing in Europe as well. It's Premier League. It's not Champions League. This is just Premier League. Mason Mount's only created five more big chances than uh, Jared Bowen in an extra 20 games. I would also argue that the way the West Ham play, where they just sit behind the ball and kind of hope that their wingers produce something on the break, is easier, whereas Mount is trying to learn his What? (laughs) Jesus. Surely that just... Surely that just... You just... You've just yeah. said, pretty much, in my opinion, that for that to happen, for a winger for West Ham, then, who sit behind, have to be defensively sound <laughs> and go forwards. Bowen's going to have more space because the way teams play against West Ham, the way teams it play against Chelsea, he which was up, up until the last... He's got to win for Antonio, for fuck's sake. Up, 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 <laughs> until, up until the last couple of games where Frank's gone defensive, insane, we were basically, right, let's just try and outscore everyone else because we can't. Defend for sure. So that should be pretty good news. No, the thing is, no, that's, that's, no, because the tactic with that board then was basically teams would sit in against us, knowing that we'd make a mistake. So you and think capitalize on it? So you, working against a packed defense is going to be harder for a young lad to develop. Than, I don't know where you're getting this from because we average three goals a game at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> so that's quite <laughs> invalid. Free scoring. Yeah, but don't forget the. the the way that you play, apart from that Spurs game, it is opportunist. What Wolves and Leicester? We Mason Mount has only created nine big chances in forty-two games, according to the Premier League. I've actually got that here in front of me, Mr. Byron. So I didn't want to say four it. in twenty-six. 20... Like I said, if we're going on stats, then Eden Hazard's one of the worst players of all time. We're not yeah, talking about Eden Hazard, though, that. are we? We've been telling <laughs> you that for years. But I'm, I'm you saying put, the stats... You put Hazard above Salah and Sanchez. 
I'm saying his stats is never Jesus. I'm, I'm saying that who has been interested in Jared Bowen? You know, Declan Rice has been interested in a lot of the big teams for a move away. There's never been a rumour, never been anything. That's only because... That's, Bowen. that's only because they're interested in Declan Rice because they know Declan Rice is a Chelsea fan. Well, yeah. Mm. And, and so that's quite think, easy to... And it came through our USEP as well. And also got released by a USEP. Yeah. I think, Which yeah, is awkward. Right, <laughs> yeah. It's not been getting linked with Declan Rice is the next segment. I've got a pair for that one as well. What was yeah, that? Love Mason Mount been getting linked with. Derby. <laughs> one of the biggest clubs in the, in the country. It's good, doesn't it to be? He's a champion. He's a championship player at best, in my opinion. He shouldn't be in that England team, and he shouldn't be in the Prem. Doesn't do anything. Coming up the scoring a winner against the best Jeez. team in the world and winning. If he is in the Prem, he should be at like a, a Crystal Palace or. Or a lower league, a Brighton or something like that. Just... It's 21 years old and he's holding down a starting place at Chelsea. He's not holding down a starting place because he didn't play on Saturday. He was on the bench. We established it earlier, so he's not he's starting. He's been resting because he's played every game so far. Ugh, my heart bleeds for He's him. fortunate the two managers he's got, isn't he? He's fortunate. He must, be, he must be a real likeable guy because that must be the only <laughs> reason why he's in these teams. He must wow. have a bit of shit a lamp on shit on the end of his nose or something. I mean, it's, now it's, it's, it's now, just clear. Now, now we're talking about hypotheticals. I want to talk about facts, and he's a better player. <laughs> I've, I've just given you facts. He I has to... given you facts. Rafa Benitez style. <laughs> if we're going to talk about players getting linked as well, Hudson and Doyle was obviously supposed to be going to buy or whatever. I mean, yeah, well, no. The less said about that, the better. I thought he was Turns out it's not, which is... That, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you can see that mentality from Bowen as well when they asked him about his two goals against Wolves and he said, my only disappointment is he didn't score a hat-trick. Mm. Winner's mentality, my friend. He wants to do his best every time he plays. Mount just wants to dance every time he scores. That being said... <laughs> he's only able to do that eight times. <laughs> <laughs> Bowen didn't even get a... England and 21's call-up after scoring 52 goals in three championship seasons. So. Which is absolutely phenomenal, considering the, the after Hull sold him in January, they were like 13th. They ended up losing 15 in a row after he left. So he, a, was the, he was the main vocal point for that team. On a scale of one to Zaha, where do you put Jared Bowen, Steve? See, previously I've always said Zaha is a bit of a, a, bit of a joke, a uh, bit of a myth. Yeah, it hardly does it. He only scored one goal last year. Um, Against Chelsea. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> was a screamer. We call that season doing a hazard. <laughs> Everybody um, gets one. <laughs> where would I put him along? I would put him, it'd be a close one tier, if I'm honest. So probably Zaha just edges it above Bowen. But Zaha really doesn't do anything apart from fall on the ground to me. He's not the best player for Palace, and he's not the most Who's influential. The best Palace. He's he's gets deemed as the best player at Palace because he does these little fancy tricks and wins some penalties and free kicks. So who is the best player at Palace though? He will. You, you've lost. I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think actually. He's going to come out by you. <laughs> <laughs> he's got. He'll say Townsend. An English winger. I, I, do you know what? I was actually thinking about the same Townsend. 
Hey, I campaigned for him to go to the 2014 World Cup. Oh, Don't blame you. I couldn't name you the best player at Palace, to be honest. They're all pretty. Sahar. I wouldn't say he's amazing, though. He's probably the best out of the bunch, but he's not amazing, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm probably with Zahar you. Sahar over Jared Bowen, I'll say that for free. No chance. <laughs> That's <right>. insane. <laughs> no yeah, chance. I'm taking Mason Mount here. What, Mason Mount over Bowen? After what you've just said. Probably well, what, prior, prior to that Zaha comment, what would you have said? I'll be honest with you, I probably would take Mason Mount, but that is shocking. I do see more Mason Mount. I wouldn't want either in my team, really. I would like... Watch him against Liverpool on... probably would be Jared Bowen, to be honest. I would Watch like him... to point out that Jared Bowen has been playing like top-flight professional football since 2014. Not top-flight, whilst championship. He, he's, he's been involved in it. I'm not sure about playing it. Well, he's, well, he's been with Hull City since 2014. Yeah, he made... Oh, I thought it was all about Mount. No, Mount has only been playing senior, like first team football for what the last three three seasons, and then five or six games this season. No, so it's still plenty. He's been more. playing for the last four four or five years. Fantasy's his first loan was in. I may be wrong. Sixteen seventeen, wasn't it? Then he went to Derby after. Uh no, seventeen eighteen, Fantasy. So yeah, since twenty seventeen, so three years. So, the fact that Mason Mountain is putting up better numbers than Jared Bowen, and he's only been playing professional first team men's football for three years. He hasn't been putting up better numbers overall, so. He has, because he's got a better goals per game ratio. Only if that's in the what, if, that, if that's what we're betting <laughs> Yeah, only, want... only in the Prem. As I said, he's played only, 106 better, games, yeah, 25 goals, the, 17 assists overall the, for all the clubs he's played for. Only in the Prem, so... But that's not just the Prem. That when, is... When playing a better standard of opposition, he's better. So that's what you just said. He's well, more effective. Say you take wait, the championship wait. level where... He's Hull more and, effective. There's, there's a closer gap between Hull and Derby than Chelsea and West Ham. Derby, no, Derby are miles ahead of Hull. Hint why Derby is in the championship and Hull in the League One. Good point. So, again, it's still that debate on the numbers I guess I think at the end of the day three seasons into his professional career and he's got I he, we're having a debate with who's better and at the moment it's neck and neck he's got three years on Jared Bowen and he's younger I think there's more for him in the future development wise whereas Jared <laughs> Bowen is probably at his peak so you he think it's a compliment to Mount that we're comparing him to Bowen <laughs> He scored 22 goals in a season for Hull in 46 games. How, like, Ollie Watkins scored 26 more and he's going for like 30, 40 million and everyone's loving him. But Mount, when... Mount isn't a goal-scoring winger, though. He's best played in midfield. But he's what, not behind... getting assists either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he said he's only got five assists. He's got five assists in his Chelsea career in 41 games. Yeah. Again, if Mount, we, if Mount has one more assist and over a thousand more passes. If we're putting this into just goals, though, then William is awful. But he's not. Everyone knows that he's not. He's a decent player. We're not so, talking about William. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm just, put, I'm putting I'm just saying, I feel like he's losing it a little bit. Anyway, well, Steve, I think this brings, 
brings us to an end. So, TK, who would you rather have, Mason Mount or Jared Bowen? Uh, Steve made a pretty compelling argument, actually. Got to be honest. Um, that man, Steve. Yeah, uh, a lot closer than I would have had it going into this. I think Steve is right. I think Bowen would probably get a lot more hype had he been at a bigger club. I think he would have got an England call-up, for example. Um, our edge towards Mount just, because I don't think he's quite as bad as he's being portrayed now, but it's very close. I've got it close. What about you, Alex? I'm going to go for the rise of the Milky Bar kid, Bowen. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> The Milky Bar kid. <laughs> I like. I like. I, 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 he's got. He's got the better story. Building his way up from the bottom. He's, to the top. he's definitely got the better story. I'll agree there. Um, no, no silver spoon. No. No. No silver spoon. Um, Love uh, it. Steve has changed my mind, Jack. I'm afraid. So, <laughs> guessing the the nod for me. You literally said earlier on in this segment that you would still take Mount. That's only because yeah, I said Zaha. The record. And the assist record. Got shook with the Zaha shout, didn't he? But I think that's the first. I think that's the first change my mind. I think that's the first change my mind where more than one of us has had our mind changed. We did do the one with you, Alex, where you didn't listen to. You actually changed your mind and then started backing up TK. (laughs) That was a powerful change my mind. I dropped on him. All right, it it was. It was. It was that compelling. He he was already in my head before. (laughs) Steve, we'll have to uh, wave goodbye to you now because we've got more guests to see, but pleasure as always. Because you're going on to Declan Rice, can I say my unpopular opinion to get Go on, let's say it before he goes. You ready? Declan Rice is better than Kante, and I'll leave you there. Yeah, I'll kick you if you <laughs> <laughs> That statement <laughs> That is some notes to exit on that. Uh, ask the West Ham fan next if he agrees. Oh, we'll, we'll ask on the agenda, so... Phenomenal. Adios, <laughs> Steve. Cheers, boys. Take care, lads. So, Bye. See you, mate. Well, well, well. well. In the firing line again, can't wait. Pause for a breath. That's what Steve brings you. <laughs> Did he have you on the ropes there, Jack? No, not at all. Didn't even break a sweat. Didn't he was get... calm, he said. He was calm. Because uh, you can't rest too much because the last interaction I had with Connor, he said he has a very controversial statement to make and that he's coming for your head top. <laughs> Blimey. <laughs> he's going to have to go something to be more controversial than what we've just heard. Well, is this the first, <laughs> the first question we're going to ask him to put things into perspective is who's the best player in the league that he thinks Rice is better than. I like, I like that. And the, we'll uh, find out where we are pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why, why am I nervous about that statement? Why am I nervous? <laughs> <laughs> I and then, as he's been linked with Chelsea, we're going to go through Chelsea's midfielders and ask who he thinks Rice is better than. I mean, he's send death if he leaves. So, I've got a couple of minutes before i got to give my ring. So, Alex, what has been your favourite episode of the Spitballing Pod? Or so your favourite moment, or both? So, <laughs> so, it, I, so I yeah, 
bit of podcast vintage this, but um, way back in the day, uh, you obviously used to do the uh, the Bumble segment with Connor, given the uh, the one liners. <laughs> I think that, we only did that for like two weeks, but I lived long in the so that was that was that was quite that was very entertaining. But I, I did like the detail of uh, the the wedding that you went to at the uh, reception office, the the registry office. Sorry, yeah, that was uh, that was a highlight. That 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 was comedy gold. That that was that good. I I brag. I talk about it to multiple people saying that just dig out the episode from the pod, and uh, and yeah, um, I think as well maybe, I think as well maybe during peak sort of the world cup when uh, England were, was at its peak, we had some very decent episodes there where the morale of the pod was very high. Um, the <laughs> highlight. Is but, the morale uh, not high anymore? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, was, it was more of morale together rather than morale when one of us is morale down <laughs> and the other ones are just piling on top. But yeah, I, I, uh, I think your headphones are gone. Though. You you sound like you're in another room. Really? No, you don't know. You're back. Ah, uh, there we go. All right. Well, I'll try and add Connor to the call now, and we'll see how we go. Is he in? No, he's ringing. Hello. There he is. How do you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. How are we? Yeah, we got you recorded now. So, Jack, Jack's on the ropes. We've just uh, debated whether Jared Bowen was better than Declan Rice, uh, not than Mason Mount. Sorry. Connor Connor gets his debut and he's driving pretty. (laughs) (laughs) He did make me aware beforehand, but. I did. I did. I'm on my way back from Devon. I was hoping to be home. I, I, I actually left my holiday early just to make this feature. <laughs> you, you, you literally, you've kind of stood me up. We're supposed to walk our dogs together in the morning. Uh, actually, I think we'll find Sarah sent me a message this morning, cancelling it anyway. So, no, this yeah, okay, Jack, I'll be having see? Words. I'll be having words. Do you know, do you have some order, Jack? Really? Give you some one being tight up, really. <laughs> so, the, the question we're going to start you with, Connor, and we'll see where we are. Who is the best player in the league that you think Declan Rice is better than? Because Steve That's, just said Kante. You see, I, I, I've been, this is the only question I've been really like pondering over. Now, I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that he is the best player in the league. But... <laughs> <laughs> this, this but... But he can't think of others better. <laughs> so... I, I can't think of another player in the same position that week in, week out, puts in the performances that Declan Rice puts in. Is he drunk driving? It's fucking, isn't it? No, I'm not saying he's the best, but, you know, would I put him above Kante? Maybe not. I, I was thinking Paul Pogba. don't think Pogba actually contributes much anymore. You know, it's Kante doesn't get the playing time, but yeah, Pogba is probably the one that I pick. Oh, we're coming in hot. Well, so we got the we got the Chelsea midfielders because I mean I'm not expecting you to to sell a move here for Rice to go to Chelsea, but obviously 
Chelsea were interested, they'd already spent about 500 million and so couldn't find that extra bit for uh, Rice to go through. <laughs> if we go through their midfielders and you say if, if, if you'd rather have, if you think Rice would be in their midfield ahead of them. So, I mean, Jorginho is the place to start. But, yeah, Jorginho would have closely versus Jordan Arsenal. I mean, I was only last minute that they bought all that transfer, wasn't it? So, you know, I think he walked in there easily. Oof. You got Jorginho in there for penalties. I mean, Kante was the next one. If, yeah, if Chelsea offered the swap today, would you be taking it? No. And, and I'll tell you <laughs> why, right? It, it's because you, you see how hard it is to get players to gel, especially when they play fucking West Ham. It, it's, it's a nightmare. <laughs> right? And I think losing, losing Rice would... I've always said even the whole transfer window, not selling Declan Rice is just as good as a transfer for us. It's getting someone in. It's probably about as good as we ever get because our transfer business is absolutely horrible. But he, you know, he now no one had his last best games now, and and I think Rice, hopefully, if, if he does stay, you know, he, he could be our best player for a very long time. What does he bring, though? Like, the question I would say is, what does he bring? Because I'm looking at the stats here, and he's... A lot more than Mason Mount for, for a start. Positions, <laughs> <laughs> but okay. Um, he's English, and he works hard. I'm looking at the stats here, and he's got worse stats than every, every one of Chelsea's midfielders in regards to tackle success rates, passes per games, uh, clean sheets assists everything really so is he just yeah, as a holding midfielder you're not going to bank on him getting assists left right and centre no but he, I mean, Kante and Kovacic still have more yeah fair enough but then you look at the quality of player they've got around them you know Declan mm-hmm. Rice is, is realistically the best of a bad bunch in our squad that is true with, but the eye test ben hopefully overcoming this life changing blood condition and coming into the squad we might see something different yeah. but you know it I mean, you, you see the game against City, I was watching it on my phone in the, in the pissing down rain. He, again, had an absolute blinder. You know, don't get me wrong, he, like, he, he does well, but I don't feel that... The way I kind of eye test it is when he plays for England. Like, he doesn't that's, that's, look natural. That's, against... that's where a lot of the comparisons come. That is where you see a lot of the judgment come. There's, I follow a couple of Chelsea fans on Twitter who, throughout the whole transfer window, they're rating Rice, he's doing really well. Then we had a bit of a crisis with centre-backs and injuries, and we played Declan Rice at centre-back, which, yes, is where he started. He's not his favourite position, and I always brick it watching him play there. Um, but that, that's, where he, that's where he played for one bad game, and immediately, because it wasn't signed by Chelsea, that game then gets scrutinised. There, there were Chelsea fans making compilations of Declan Rice. <laughs> <laughs> To, to be fair, I, I did maintain throughout the entire window that I didn't want Declan Rice, just because... Which I way around did you say it, Jack? You say like a defender playing midfield or a midfielder playing centre-back? No, a, mid, a defender playing in midfield. Mm. Because... <laughs> yeah, and he looks like it. Because the problem is, when he plays for West Ham, he plays in and have a lot more space because he'll be defending a lot more. Whereas it, in a Chelsea team, for example, if he had moved to us then he'll be chasing the game a lot because usually the time when he'd be called into 
into action is when we've lost the ball in attack and we've got everyone up up the pitch. Whereas he is good at sitting in and then driving with the ball, whereas he wouldn't have that space to drive with at Chelsea. He gets found out a little bit international level when we come up against your Icelands that will sit in their own box. And he doesn't look like he can do much with the ball. He looks great in a West Ham team where they're sitting back and hitting on the counter every game. But when he actually has the ball at his feet, that's where I feel he's struggling. What's Havertz doing then? Is any different? Like I said, I've, <laughs> I've gone on record and said that he's looking like a loftus streak at the moment, which isn't a compliment, sadly. He is <laughs> thinking, he's you gave that as a compliment before he went on loan last week. Yeah. I mean, this Would you swap Royce for loftus cheek tomorrow, Jack? Hey? <laughs> Would you swap Royce for loftus cheek? Probably, because I know that we'll probably end up going to spend £70 million on him next season. <laughs> <laughs> so I would take the swap. Rice will actually play games as well. Yeah, there is that. I mean, won't get injured like Loftus-Cheek. I mean, the, yeah, the rumour was that was that Rice was being signed to play centre-back for Chelsea. So that's, Well, that's what I saw. That's why I thought, if he goes to Chelsea and plays as a centre-back, he's, just, he's not going to succeed. Yeah. He's nowhere near... Mind you, they're ever centre-backs. I I think for the money that we were going to have to spend on him, to get to play midfielder at centre-back would have been (laughs) criminal. We should have just spent that money on an actual Mm. centre-back. But like Declan Rice looks great in a West Ham team. I just feel if you put him into a team where they have the majority of possession, then he doesn't look as shiny. I'll I'll be honest, when I see it for West Ham, I don't necessarily see what West Ham fans are seeing. It does look like he's kind of the the shiny piece in the middle that looks a lot different. But then I would say the same as when Jack watches Mason Mounts. I see the same and probably when I was watching Wilshire. So I can see Uh, why. I I think it's probably always very hard when when you're not watching that player week in, week out. Um, Like... For example, Calvin Phillips. I just don't get how he's even brought into the same conversation. Do I watch him every single week? No. But do I think the quality is anywhere near what Rice has? No. He's not. You know, it, it, it's a lot more difficult when you don't watch that player every single week. And there's only so much match that they'll show you. Especially if it's West Ham, you get about three <laughs> seconds. And, um, you know, it, it's it, it's tricky when, when it's you're fighting for the player that plays for your team. And I get that. But even put him in the England shirt against Belgium, I thought he had a really good game. I think it's because people are so used to seeing much more from a defensive midfielder than just work rate. Like, Henderson had to add it to his game, and then he did. When Klopp came in, he became the player that everyone doubted he would be. But before then, he was kind of ridiculed because of just the work rate player with no product. And it feels that I can't remember the last time I saw Declan Rice do something good with the ball. Without the ball, no question, he's pretty pretty good. But with the ball, I feel he just lacks what you would need to be a defensive midfielder in a top team. Who, who, who would you say then's got that end product that Declan Rice would need to take his his, his game to the next level? I, I look, for example, Kovacic, where with the Gee. ball... Oh, blimey. He's better with I mean, the ball. I would say Declan Rice Kovacic. I'd, yeah, I'd say Kovacic is better. I'd say someone like Fabinho is probably the standard you want to put there, not Kovacic. I don't think Declan Rice is better than Kovacic, though, and the stats would back me up on that. 
Hang on, we, yeah, just, but, we just spoke about stats with Jared Bowen and Mason Mount, and you said we weren't trusting the stats. And you, yeah, and you changed your mind because of the goal stats. So where are we here? Kovacic also plays further forward than Rice as well, and he doesn't get that many goals. He would play. He plays a holding midfielder role, really. He's the one that sits back. Come and on, he's very central. He's very central rather than holding. Because he does move forward with the ball and he, and he and he has got that quality to him. They do play him further forward. He's not. He's not a holding midfielder. If Chelsea had spent the, say, £70 million that was linked with Rice this summer, do you think in a season we'd be saying that Rice doesn't look like a £70 million midfielder? Or do you think that he'd prove that if he was in the Chelsea team with a better standard of players and that kind of thing? Um, that's, that's, again, it's, 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 it's a buzz, isn't it? I mean, does Timo Werner look like he's justified the money? No. <laughs> you know, does, does Havertz, arguably? No. Definitely not. Does any of the 250 million that they spent just buy it? I, mean, I don't know why they should have good on the bench. <laughs> I, I think that Declan Rice can quite easily fall into the Harry Maguire category of looks great. Jesus. At yeah. team, so and then someone spends, this is disrespectful. spends a ton of money and then they just get found out a little bit. But I, I don't even think Harry Maguire was any good when he, when he was at Leicester. He was surrounded by a team that gelled really, really well, which again, yeah. we don't. We still don't. Yeah, okay, we, we very rarely bring in new players, but we West Ham play a different mentality every single week. It's, you know, watching us play... You never know what you're going to get, do you? Start, no, at all, not at all. And Even it's, that Spurs game, it was like, like 80 minutes of what you thought you were going to get, and then 10 minutes in. <laughs> where did that well, come? Don't you saw my Twitter, 30 minutes into the game, I switched it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, switched I feel it off. myself... Going to defend Rice here when only a week ago I was saying I could beat him and Antonio in a two on one. <laughs> now that. Uh, so I, I was listening to last week's pod uh, earlier, right? And I, I have to say, Mikel Antonio, yes, he's, he's labelled as Mark Emery in those alternative commentary videos, which is <laughs> absolutely hilarious. And I like the comment about him always wearing Timberlands. But he, he's got to be the most talented player that is shit at football. <laughs> this, is, this is the thing, like, I say, I dread whenever we have to play against him, but at the same time, if you were playing against him on a Monday night, maybe a couple of years ago, not you so know what now, he, I might fancy my chances. He reminds me of the kid that would play football with his backpack on at school. Wearing those, like, kickers, like, toe-punting, running around with a bag on. <laughs> he, how how on earth he has scored the second most amount of goals since the restart? I do not know. <laughs> to finish a most quick kick against Manchester City absolutely blew my mind and made my holiday. I have to say <laughs> he could have had about eight against Arsenal, but he scored one he and then put his shooting boots away. Should have definitely had a Stonewall pen against City uh, at the weekend. I, but that's that's another topic for another time. <laughs> I, uh, I really don't get the, the level of officiating. Even in the last three, four weeks, is just rapidly... I mean, it was never great, but it's just rapidly gone downhill. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got bad. I'm, I feel like Rice is going to be one of them players that I probably will change my opinion on every time I watch them. And it probably will be as much as him being the worst English midfielder in the league to being someone who would start at a top six team each time they play. 
yeah. I don't know. It's, it's one of the like the, th- the thing we've got to factor in. Right? He's, he's twenty one. You know, and the quality he's got for a twenty one year old. That's why you know a move away to another club where he could pick up bigger skills. He's, he's our best midfielder, which for a twenty one year old, it's fantastic for us. But for him, he's he's not going to learn a lot more from from players around him. Hey, I, I try to. If you I ask tried to... a lot of people to order Mount, Phillips and Rice in terms of who the best English midfielder was, mm-hmm. I think you'd see almost an equal amount of different answers from each person. I wouldn't. I don't even know how I'd order those three now. I find it like the fact, leading back on from the, the last section that we had, that we were <laughs> comparing Mount to a winger and now we're comparing him to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is that versatile, which makes him that good. He can play anywhere. So you called him a winger in the last segment as well. Hey, I was comparing him against a winger, but if you want to compare him against a midfielder, do that as well. It's funny. Me me and Jack have the same observation there, but a very different spin on it. He said it shows how versatile (laughs) he is. I thought we don't have a fucking clue what he is. How did I know that we were going to have a difference in opinion on that? A jack of all (laughs) trades, if you will. It's it's a it's a really tricky one. I think it. Unfortunately, as a West Ham fan, he to to progress even further, he has he has got to get some form of coaching from elsewhere to to take that next next step up in his game. Um, obviously, I'd absolutely hate it to be Chelsea, but <laughs> if they're gonna if they're gonna pay a mint for him, then you know, hopefully they'll just pay way over the asking price so that so that the board can take their commission out of there, which no doubt they will take. Because they're scum. Um, that, that's why again, yeah. I'd, I'd hate to see him leave, but as a West Ham fan who's seen so many great players come through our squad and then just join better teams, it happens. I'm used to it. Get one of them fast and furious little videos of the parting of the ways. West Ham on that's one it. side and Paul Walker slash Rice on the other. Oh, without question. Exactly <laughs> Hopefully, it ends better than it did for Paul Walker. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jack, if, if if they come back for them, how soon would your opinion on Rice change? Well, it would. I'd have, imagine the I'd day s- the day you sign him, whilst he's holding up the shirt, maybe. I'd have to see. I'd have to see more. I mean. Don't get me wrong, I'm sure there's more qualified people than I that have looked at Declan Rice and wanted to sign him because they know more about football than I do. At the same they also time, looked at Kurt Zuma, though. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-ACL, he was wicked. No, he's got a mistake in him. Uh, yeah, De- Declan Rice, you'd have to prove it for at least half a season, a season, before I kind of felt it was justified. I just worry that we could look like Man United do, go and spend in £80 million on a player that is probably at his level. I think if Chelsea were offered tomorrow to swap Rice for Mason Mount, they'd feel like they got the better deal. Again, I don't feel that's the case because Mason Mount... I, yeah, I would agree with you on that, Fred, purely for the fact of... You know the, the the view that Mason Mount's got of of how Southgate views him, at least. Anyway, I, I mean, he's 
obviously got some form of dirt over him. <laughs> exactly. Royce and Kante in there, Chelsea should never concede a goal. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong, but then you haven't got that <laughs> second threat. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, like, overrated, yeah. De- Declan, Rice, Declan Rice looks great, again, in a West Ham team where, like I said before, he sits in. I feel that where our team particularly gets unstuck is that we lose possession and all of our players like pushed way up the pitch and it just exposes our defence. And I don't see Declan Rice having the legs to cover the entire midfield when our team's like way out of position. But he looks great when he's an organised kind of two banks of four. You cannot call West Ham United organised. I'll call it two banks of four. I mean, we had Jack last week say that if Kepa hadn't conceded the 10 goals, then things wouldn't be seeming so bad. That is not what I said. Uh, and you know it. This is fake news. He said, he said it's the personal errors. He said it's the personal errors, which I'd agree with him, but how, you know, when you look at the Villa, Villa Liverpool game, Adrian's getting death threats. Yes, okay, he's at fault for two goals. <laughs> that's what happens but, to Liverpool keepers. It's part of the job. That's it. But, but then you've got Prince Virgil, who was arguably at fault for three of them. Um, you know, getting no stick and, and then getting memoirs in newspapers because he's done his ACL. <laughs> as, as, as someone who has done their ACL, I can't help feel for the bloke. But as a football fan, I'm absolutely Your careers have gone in two very different paths, though. So, I think we'll have to say goodbye, Connor, because we've got our next uh, guest queued up to answer the phone. So, no problem. Cheers thanks for coming for... on. Um, thanks for having Jack. me. Jack, has he changed your mind on Rice? No, I haven't, I'm afraid. Yet oh. to be seen. Two West Ham yeah, fans struggled to change his mind. There is always going to be yet to seen if you don't watch the bloke play. So, there you <laughs> hey, I, I do watch the bloke play because the one we were linked to him and I wasn't a fan of the way he would fit into the Chelsea team, the way that we play so openly. Oh, yeah, well, right. well, we'll get on to... We'll you enjoy this now, Jack. We're going to talk about Arsenal next, so... Oh. I reckon he'd be better in a Man United team, put it that way, because I think that he would fit better into Man United than with Chelsea, because he'd get back. Yeah, he'd more midfielders. So would Van Der Beek, wouldn't he? But there we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'd get the chance. Anyway, nice one, boys. I've just arrived home anyway, so thank you very much indeed. Cheers. Catch you later, mate. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. Jack, Jack's not having his mind changed now. He's on the wall path. Yeah. I'm He's like, digging in. I'm entrenched. <laughs> well, we've got uh, Luke Jenkins on next to talk about Urtzil. So, when, when he said different opinions there as well, so it just keeps said, coming. When he when he said that Rice wasn't the best player in the league, but I I, I feared I, I, I yeah I was hiding yeah. behind <laughs> the pillow. I was hiding behind the pillows. We did kind of let Jack, him. He, he did say no one plays better regularly. <laughs> I thought, uh, I think um, Steve might have beat the stuff in our Jack beforehand. I think that with Declan Rice, like, he shines because he's at West Ham. You could put Mason Mount in the West Ham team and we would be lauding him 
as one of the best players, but because he's at Chelsea, there's that hatred. And more is expected of you. I think that's the difference. Why is there that hatred of West Ham and Chelsea? You can't have everyone as a rival. I, I don't. No, just I, everyone. Don't, no, I mean, I mean more the fact that everyone hates Chelsea. Alex, would your brother take Rice uh, at Chelsea? Uh, I don't actually know what his stance is on Rice, to be honest. But I'm pretty sure the man doesn't make it into his starting lineup. You wouldn't make it into my be, Chelsea lineup either. Be, no, to be fair, right now with the players we've signed, if they're all 100% fit and on form, he struggles to get in. But at the moment, uh, Kai Havertz isn't playing well. <laughs> So, Would Jared Bowen hey, start for you? Fucking no way. <laughs> God, how can he's, Havertz isn't even, you know, he's German and he doesn't even try hard, so you can't even play that card. <laughs> yeah. I am, like, I hope he comes good and comes good soon. But at the moment, he looks a bit lightweight. Jack, what's been uh, your favourite spitballing episode slash moment? <clears throat> I think Troy's stories, even though I wasn't on that pod, <laughs> listening to it whilst painting my kitchen, <laughs> talking about the fireworks and the shops and stuff, I just think a Troy anecdote, you can't be beaten. Um, or when I made my analogy of Pochettino seeing what was going on at Man United is... Like when you try and break things up with your misses because you fancy someone else. That was, <laughs> that was a, per- a personal highlight, anyway. <laughs> or AJ's continued mispronunciation of regular. <laughs> <laughs> that that's up there. Um, but yeah, those are my, my takeouts, I would say. Enjoyed oh, the Christmas pod when we could actually do it in person last year. That was good. We'll be doing it in person this year. Nice. Don't you worry. Hopefully, do some of our Christmas movie ones in person as well. Yeah, bang it. Have you, have you, did you add my Christmas recommendation to your uh, watch list, Luke? Not yet, Alex. Uh, no. I, Alex I think, told I think me he I, was shedding tears at a Christmas film recently. I was, well, not recently, last year. Last year. Did, did, did bring, bring me to tears. I think, I, I, I feel, I feel, I feel like it might be, it might get you, might get you that film, Luke, as well. All right, well, I'll dial Luke in there and we'll talk about it itself. So hold your horses. The suspense. Is it what you should have done, really, for each of these intro moments would be uh, to uh, throw in like an entrance song? <laughs> like John Cena. How you doing? Yeah. Hello, mate. Here we uh, we've got you recording already. We'll give you a warning. I don't know what. Uh, yeah, no problem. I don't know what they're going to come out with. But <laughs> thankfully, everything's gone according to plan so far. So cheers for joining us. No worries, mate. We've got Ertzil to talk about. I know, despite both being Arsenal fans, we do sit on separate separate sides of the fence here. So yeah, Ertzil. Obviously left out of Arsenal's Europa League squad, left out of the Premier League squad, and he's now become a part of football Twitter these days. So, first <laughs> of all, I guess, what was your reaction to him being left out of the squad completely? Oh, we're happy, mate. Oh, we're happy. <laughs> like, you know how like, every Arsenal fan was united on like Arteta and all that? Yeah. This bit is sort of like, it's not like a split me away, don't get me wrong, but it's sort of like, 
it's this weird interviews like saying, "Oh, I've been honest. I've done this it's for footballing reasons. Load of rubbish." I want more of a reason. Like it's just silly. Like it's not even about the money we're paying him. It's just everyone knows how much talent he's got. He said he wants to play. You know, it's, yeah, we're not happy. I, I don't doubt the talent is there, but I do think for a lot of fans, and I mean, I'm, I will put you in the bracket of the standard Ursel fans you see on Twitter because there's some maniacs on there. Oh uh, yeah, I don't there are that. some that seem to forget that Ursel did play some games for us, and he wasn't exactly setting the team alight as much as. He no, of course. Awful. No, of course. It's just like, I think a lot of the time, I, I know it's like not backed up with stats. I just like the player. You know, when you like just, yeah. like, yeah, over the years, there's loads. But again, I, I could just fire back where, like, oh, Urza didn't do well here. But then every, like, you know, not every top player, obviously, but they go through that period. But then we can go back to, you know, how, like, we all say how many goals, uh, assists would he have got if we had a Bamiyang, like, earlier and have Giroud and things like that. So, and I just think, how many times have we said in a game, even this season, where we thought we could have had Urzel there, and it just speaks volumes? Yeah, you know, I think if we were going to have him, I do think he'd be better coming off the bench because I think we're clearly trying to go a different way of playing in that yeah. we aren't quite having the expansive football that we tried having before. But at the same time, I'm sure there is something that's gone on behind the scenes. I don't put it down to the. China stuff because he played yeah. like what 12 games after that yeah so something's happened whether it's the pay cut whether it's whatever but he's been yeah. sending these shots on pretty much at Arsenal I think on that's what's the most annoying part it's just like not knowing if he just come out and just said like I think I tweeted about it if he just said like oh no nah, I just don't like the bloke don't want on my team yeah. <laughs> and I said alright fair enough mate there we go he, he tweeted yesterday before the Leicester game my prediction for today Two one to the Arsenal goal scorers over Lacquer and the creative Madison for LFC. And it's, we know what you're doing here. Dropping yeah, oh, it was class. <laughs> it was when it was Wenger's birthday, and he said about even though it was like, um, you know, it was just a genuine like happy birthday. But it's where he was saying about, oh, thank you for all the trust you gave me from start to finish yeah. and all that. I'm like always respectful, fair, and honest. Yeah. He said. I don't know. I said last week. I think. Arsenal essentially thought that by not including him in the squad that the conversation would just go away. Yeah. And it just and it's just <laughs> gone the opposite. Because <laughs> I reckon that I, I, I don't know I still don't think he should be starting but he obviously is good enough to make the 32 players or whatever it is. Oh, yeah, definitely. You and, even and just if said you pay him, why you not? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I guess, his wages. when you missed out the Europa League one, there was still a bit of time left in the window, was there not? Or you submit the original squad and then you can make amendments up to a certain date. Like, mm. Or, mm. This is them essentially saying, you will not be playing. Take one of these moves away. Yeah. And instead. It's, it's it makes no sense because they don't actually want him to play. Like, if they had no intention of like re-registering him, like, and it, is it in January they can re-register? Yeah, they can. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If they have no indication of doing that, just buy out his contract because he said he's going to stay there and get every single penny. So yeah. just get rid of it. That that would have made sense. I think we tried doing like a the mutual one where yeah. we basically agree like a fee, but he wasn't having that, which you can't blame him. I know in hindsight, 
it was never a good idea to give him that 350 grand a week. <laughs> I do say with when with the fact that Alexis left, yeah, um, the did or didn't because if we'd lost both, then it would have been more big players losing leaving Arsenal on a free, yeah. and then the fact they gave him the contract, then it's why the hell did they give it all that contract? So couldn't win either way. No, <clears throat> you got to think. With him, though, his agent's been coming out the last couple of days where he's been slagging yeah. off Arteta non-stop, saying he's no Arsenal legend. He barely played his last two seasons, but they still signed him on. And then yesterday he was saying about how terrible the team looked without Ertzel in there. <laughs> Surely the agent's job is if he's not going to play, then he either needs to get him his cash or he needs to get him another yeah. another team. It's the thing because obviously, like I don't know what that agent's on about, but like Urz has already said, like you said loads of times, how much he loves the club, how he loves yeah. the fans. That's why, like when he came, he just couldn't believe it. Like how Wenger believed in him, how the fan base just loved him. So it's just it's just a shame on that front, like all the way through. I was hoping that we'd just play him in the Europa, and yeah. see him ball out against them Thursday teams. Yeah, but <laughs> I guess. The, the issue for Arsenal then would have been if he does well on a Thursday, then we're expecting him to play on a Saturday or something. I mean, we can't even, we only scrape in two omens against Rapids. Yeah. yeah. I mean, John's Dalk on Thursday. Hell yeah. Huge game. Yeah. Okay. We're due a, a, like, you know, a nightmare. <laughs> we, had one, we had one last night, but that wasn't quite as nightmare. No, that was a smash and grab. Cause, Our nemesis already. Imagine if we signed him. Oh no, that was horrible, that little spell, because they kept saying, like, he's going to give his decision at, like, 12 o'clock the next day. You know, mm. being sat in front of my phone, <laughs> refreshing Twitter, only for him to turn us down. How he has to be kind of guaranteed first choice when he should have looked at the way things were going with Giroud and known, but yeah, we didn't give him those assurances and we didn't get him, but that was pretty much nailed on yesterday. I did see a lot of the we complain we don't create. What if we had Ertzel in here? The I, I know, a lot of the so time, I, I just feel like the 90 minutes of the game, for like 75, we're just passing at the back. I said this, we've had like discussions about how like football's played now, like compared to, I can't really bother with it anymore. But the defenders have all the possession. Well, yeah. David sort of... Louise is our most creative passer. Yeah. I hate it. It's Conte's fault. would get back into Chelsea's back line last week. <laughs> I think at the moment, yeah, he probably would. I mean, we lack what he brings, which is the ball at his feet. But we're making so many mistakes, we don't need another mistake in there. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm pretty sure Ertzel's going to end up at Juve. They love the free agent sign-in. He'll probably take less money to go there. And I, thought, I thought he'd go to Turkey or something. That, that Ronaldo link-up as well. It depends how much of a pay cut he's willing to take, I suppose, if it's going to Turkey. Because we've apparently offered him to Galatasaray and Fenerbahce every window for the last two years. Yeah. And offered I to mean, pay. I mean, they've got foul cards. They're probably paying him a pretty penny. Yeah. So it's a, it's a sad way for his career to end, but it mm. has seemed inevitable for the past year that this was how it's going to be. So. I don't when think... was... I was just going to ask, when was the last time he played regularly for you? Um, he didn't play after the restart and he started 
11 of Arteta's 12 games before the yeah. restart. Right. That's it. So he'd argue he has given him a chance. It's not like he didn't play him. Just bombed him straight from the start. Yeah, but it's like almost a year ago now as well. There's a lot of... You get a lot of compilation videos that say, look, this is what Ertzel was doing, but Ertzel's always going to look good in a... Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Thing with the I think, I think a lot of the things were like just too based on him as well. Like, a lot of people forget how much like he made the other players play around him, like the space and the timing of passing, like the way the team just worked loads better because of his movements. Even though he looked sluggish, it like they just think, oh, he's he's slow and not putting effort in. But the way he moves around, the space around is like it's amazing. Yes, the thing is though, like the the win we had against uh, City in the semi final, like. That only works if all eleven players are doing their thing. And like, yeah. so you you can't play that way with him on there. We we said um, on Wednesday that he doesn't not put effort in because his like statistics always show that he runs more than most people on the pitch. But it's one of them in it. Like we've all played football. If you see some massive bloke coming in, yeah, it's quite easy to get to the place and then you, you kind of half commit to the tackle and because you know you don't want to get nailed by whoever's running at yeah. you. And that's essentially what Ozil was good at. Like he would shrink when he went for a header, kind of thing. Yeah. But we we all know he was going to be like that, though. Anyway, I think like over yeah, the years yeah. we've we've like, like all footballers think that, like as I told you before, every team wants a team of eleven journal shades that literally do every single thing, defend, attack, like at all of it. But I sacrifice him. But if we had say. Say you put Ramsey back into this team now with I'd love that. with Party and Sabios or whoever, you probably could get away with having Ertzel in the team now because the running and the commitment that you get from say Ramsey and Party alone would be enough yeah. where you can risk it and hope that Ertzel gets his his like couple of significant passes off. But he only he's only assisted two goals for Abamyang in his time there, so mm. his numbers have fallen quite significantly. He he just is still quite easy on the eyes, so I can see yeah. why. I mean, it comes there. down to if Elneny is in the squad. It's I know yeah. the different positions, <laughs> but <laughs> if he he's a bog standard like just square of a player, like, yeah, <laughs> it's he, just baffling. I hate being baffled because he doesn't even do any one thing particularly badly. But he also no, he's, he's do just anything you know what well. he's, he's good in. <laughs> yeah, he, he's good because he know what you're gonna get. Yeah, he's like as normal as like straight down the middle of player as I've ever seen. Yeah. Do you think because I didn't see like many other Premier League teams even kind of trying to chance their hand? How many Premier League teams do you think would take Ursula today if Arsenal offered him to them? Say he say he wanted he's on three hundred and fifty grand a week at the moment. If Ursula wanted two hundred grand a week, how many teams in the Premier League do you think would would take him still? It depending on what you can afford him because like as we said like the teams are all different now they don't really have cams and things anymore and I think everyone's got their even like with Leicester they got their like James Madison anyway yeah mm. it's like if, if we were offered Madison for Ursul, 90% of our fan base apart from the 10% that are like Ursul maniacs yeah I would take Madison and acknowledge that we've got the better deal there. Yeah. Mm. But so then, when Ozil was playing right wing for us and we still go crazy. Yeah, that was when they were shoe on in Ozil uh, Alexis. Yeah. 
and Giroud <laughs> into the same team. Weird that Giroud's doing that, but then I'll take Giroud back right now. Maybe did, we yeah. need to try what uh, Dortmund did with Goetze, and we need Ertzel in the false nine. God, no. That, I don't reckon that would work. <laughs> <laughs> he can't do much worse than Lacazette, I'm sure. Um, I've, I've turned on him a bit at the moment, Lacazette. I was really like behind him quite a while. And I thought, oh, he's got off to a good start to this season. I know it's still early as well. I just don't see anything from him no. anymore. It's all the same every game. Yeah, like, he's, he's just so uh, close. Or, <laughs> like, they, against, like, I can't remember against Leicester. Oh, no, against Vienna. You missed from on so, the line yesterday. Yeah. Oh, really? Um, he was against Vienna. I was screaming at TV. I was like, bang, he's there, bang, he's there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he didn't pass to him. I was like, what? No, he, he's essentially staying in the squad for being a Bamyang's mate at the moment. Oh, you've seen the tweet earlier. Yeah. <laughs> How that? I know football Twitter. We spoke about it on Wednesday. TK is it was a mental thing. How for every player does there seem to be some like weird lookalike that they can make these tweets of being like? I mean, I saw the one of Messi on Meth this week, but there was one for. <laughs> who was it? Was it the Kai Havertz one? The the, the bloke complained that. People writing horrible tweets about him for looking a bit similar. There was Lacazette ones yesterday of this of this oh, gay yeah, bloke think... like calling oh. Twerkazette, and I'm thinking, and he looked just like Lacazette. Oh, I didn't see that. He one. had this like sparkly stuff in his beard and all sorts. Oh, I didn't see that one. I seen Lacazette looking like no professor. Twerkazette. <laughs> Honestly, if I show you the picture, it was mental. <laughs> But it's just a sad state of affairs. We need to somehow ban ourselves Twitter. Him doing man of a match polls in the middle of the game. Mate, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. When I was reading that, I was, that was like, it's class. This is trolling to his finest. <laughs> Under Emery, on the last game of the season, I remember, um, he logged on to his Twitch right before we were about to start playing. Yeah. He was just playing Fortnite mid-game. Yeah. For fuck's sake. So it's not going to help his case when he goes forward. I guess he can argue that he's had left mileage on his legs by the fact that uh, yeah. he's not played for a season. But I think he's definitely going to be abroad because I don't think any team over here is going to be taking him. It's weird. I just really, I've just got the hope. Like this whole time, I've just got the hope. Oh, you'll, you'll, you'll be back. You'll be back. Um, and then now this happened, but then I still got that thing in my mind just because the possibilities there with him getting registered oh, again. in January. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it depends. Like if we're doing so bad, he's he's his hands gonna be tied in it, and it'd be like the returning Messiah. <laughs> I'm not sure it was that guy. I've just put the no. picture in the Skype chat of Twerkers. <laughs> we'll see. Oh <laughs> my <laughs> days! <laughs> I did not need to see that. <laughs> With bandana and everything. There he is. So, there we go. I mean, we've not really solved the Ertzel conundrum. Arsenal have lost to Leicester in a game that when we were, you know, Wednesday, TK, you asked how confident I was and I said, well, it says the Vardy's going to be fit, so that's really all they need. <laughs> and clearly that was all that we need. I've just seen that Steve's still in this chat, so he's going to be really confused by what's going on here. <laughs> and Sean as well, so none of them none of them have any idea of what they're looking at with uh, Twerk is out there, but 
<laughs> there we go. I mean, oh, cheers for uh, coming on today, Luke. I think we're going to do right, a little man. bit about um, the UFC and then call it a day. So cheers for uh, joining us. No worries, mate. But on the on the UFC, Mesut Ozil's just uh, put a tweet up about um, Khabib, actually. So Khabib. There's your little link there. He's everywhere. He loves his <laughs> It's still yeah, triggering me that he didn't do 30, 30 and oh, yeah, there is. <laughs> when Allah is with you, nobody can beat you. Mm. That's the case. Is it? So she'll be back in the squad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't be able to lose. <laughs> again. But, okay, yeah. Okay, cheers. Uh, I'll drop you a message in a bit. All right, Sam, mate. Nice one, guys. Cheers, mate. Bye. Cheers, Bye. man. There we go. He's so, in the hot... No one. Oh yeah, because we had a cancellation, didn't we? Yeah, we had a we had a major cancellation. So <laughs> I think if uh, Jack and Alex want to leave us, we'll do a little bit on UFC and then call it a day. I'll just say my favourite spitballing moment. I think probably us getting onto Spotify and seeing it nice and crispy on there. Nice and shiny. And, and, start, and when we brought it upstairs, doing the upstairs pod, I had a good little feel there. Favourite yeah. episode would probably be... I think the first Christmas episode is still my favourite. Yeah, that was a good one. But we'll have to try and top that this Christmas. Wait, which we, one was that? Didn't me and AJ win the last one? Yeah. You yeah. did, but we won't oh, be doing a quiz this time. Alex nearly broke the mics about eight times. Cheering. <laughs> what can I say? When we went, we went through the game show of the woman that was kind of uh, ratted out to her boyfriend on TV. Oh, we yeah. had uh, talk about Christmas parties. Your fifteen-minute tale where you went through the Jamie Oliver menu <laughs> <laughs> and all sorts more. So that would be my number one, I think. So there we go. Cool. All right then, boys. Ciao, adios. See you, boys. Ciao, boys. Bye. Adios. And there were two, just like how it all began. Indeed. So we've had every, we've had all our guests come on. Things have worked remarkably smoothly there. We did have Luke nearly couldn't come on, so we managed to work that quite well. We've had. In fairness, Shoot's probably the one we feel most bad for because we did get him on for the intro and I think he got to say about three words. Yeah, he got done uh, dirty there. He got his name on uh, got his name on the episode bio at least. So it worked well with um, Connor being on because my brother, as I've said, is working through the older ones. And he messaged me while during that saying, I'm listening to the Man United transfer pod at the moment. Connor is outrageous. <laughs> yeah, I'd forgotten about some of those takes so you mentioned Dean Maria and then I was, nearly fell out of the seat. I remember it. So, I mean, we said we'll talk about the UFC. Khabib obviously won the belt on mm. Saturday in what was a mental two rounds, despite the fact that after about the four minute mark, it seemed pretty insistent as to, well, pretty sure we knew what way it was going by that point. When Khabib yeah. almost put the pace on Gaethje, the Gaethje was trying to put on Khabib. It was insane, wasn't it? It was uh, 
seems an odd thing to say that one way traffic in a in a two in a two round thing, but like you said early on, we we knew well. Khabib looked just so sharp on the feet, his hands just yeah. looked unbelievable. Which, if we're thinking this, what the hell must Gaethje be thinking on the other end of that? Yeah, Gaethje showed his chin as well. I was speaking to yeah. my brother about Gaethje, and I was saying that Gaethje's one of them, and it's harsh that the example he always used because their chins are remarkably different. Is Amir Khan, but we used to say that Amir Khan always got buzzed, but he then had a remarkable power of recovery, and that the next round he could come out. And he could be straight back on it until he got clipped again. Yeah. Gaethje's been kind of like that, where he's been buzzed multiple times, but he's found his way through. Like his debut, you had the Dustin Poirier fight until it ended. But he took some, he took that head kick from Khabib. He took a couple of uppercuts as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have put a lesser, man, a lesser man to sleep. I don't know if you saw the interview Gaethje did with Megan O'Leary after. He kind of they reference at the start that he said that he feels that it's only right that you should do the same interviews whether you win or you lose. It's part of the job. He looks like the happiest person that's lost a fight, but at the same time, it didn't feel disingenuine. It didn't feel like one we've seen before where you acknowledge that maybe it's been a cash out or they didn't feel they had much of a chance to begin with. Say Rocky Fields in against Canelo. Afterwards, yeah. he looked like he was at the time of his life in there, but <laughs> also because he probably didn't really believe there was a chance of hell he was going to win. Mm. Whereas I didn't feel like that with Gaethje. I feel like he really did believe he was going to win, but he said, there's no one on earth that enjoys this more than me. And he said it was worth it just for that feeling, that rush he had when the cage door shut and he realised he was in a UFC title fight with the most dangerous man on the planet. He's good for that, isn't he, Gage? A throwaway line like that that does get yeah. you kind of buzzed is fantastic for it. Yeah, I did wonder if he might get accused of being a little bit too happy about losing afterwards. Um, well, I think, like you said, because it was that, genuine, I will kind of allow it, I think. So before the um, Barboza fight, he fought James Vick. And in the run-up to the James Vick fight, mental that James Vick was a favourite going into that when you look back now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Vic called him the Homer Simpson of MMA and saying that he just basically gets hit that many times until eventually the other person just crumbles. <laughs> and he said, kind of in reference to that, that he's got five wars left in him because every fight has a war. And then for the next four, he barely got touched. He, he didn't get touched against James Vic. He didn't get touched against Barboza. He didn't get touched against Cerrone. Then... He got touched against Tony Ferguson, but not half as much as we expected him to. No. So he said after that really the reason he was happy was that he was so terrified about the damage that he was suffering when it comes to kind of his later life. That being choked out like that, if he had to lose, that's the way. Because he said he really took a couple of good shots, but nothing that was going to do too much damage to him. And he said he came in here to do damage and it's only something very insignificant, but he's like, I'm telling you now, Khabib's going to be limping for at least at least a fortnight. <laughs> yeah, and smaller. Like, and I came in here to do damage. And watching it back, the defence he has, the sprawl on the takedown, everything about that is textbook. It's just that Khabib is so good at turning the one transition into the next move. 
and he powers through from the sprawl to then put him on his back. It's smooth the way he did it this time as well, wasn't it? it could be, it's not always kind of that smooth in terms of the you know getting to the fence, trying to work yeah. from there. It can be a little, uh, maybe not the easiest on the eye. But uh, the way he did that was, you know, as soon as yeah, he kind of showed like a bit that, back, he was on him. He fought like that his whole career. Like I was frustrated before. The one that did it for me was the Barboza one, because yes, he was causing damage, but there was no real finishing instincts there. It looked like he was no. more than happy to go to five if he needed to. If he fought like he did the McGregor fight where there wasn't a second of that that he was just holding McGregor down. There was damage going on the entire way through. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the Poirier fight was really fun as well because that was a firefight for as long as it lasted. Mm. And then obviously that Gaethje fight was one of them where even if you're not sat up to begin with, you sit up about two seconds in like, Jesus Christ, this is mental. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. It's funny, it's a bit of a harsh for me to judge him on, but fights like the Ally Quinter fight kind of, I think, stifled some of the excitement about him. Yeah. And they were they were building something where he was like, this is a scary man, he does this, that. And then when you give five rounds of him, it's a bit, oh, we've got to sell this now. I'm trying to think of an example, but I'm sure there's ones with boxes where they have kind of one bad performance and that's held against them for every fight they have from it, that one onwards. It might seem harsh, but... There was a period of time where Golovkin, you'd watch him against anyone. And I guess probably the Daniel Jacobs fight, you're probably starting to get, oh, I'm slowing yeah. up a little bit. No, no, And it wasn't even necessarily a bad performance, but just uh, when well, he didn't iron him out, and he, you know, he had an arguable decision, and he just, like I said, just stifled it a little bit. Like, you know, beating Alain Gwinner isn't bad, but going the full five of him, it's just not this kind of killer that you have been for the last however many fights. And most people that picked. Um, Gaethje going in was on the basis that you watched the Iaquinta fight back, you looked at his laboured takedown attempts, you looked at some of the striking that mm. he was kept on the feet and it was like, well, if Gaethje does that, then he's going to be completely outclassed there, which obviously wasn't the case. But it's, I do quite like seeing someone go out on top, maybe not so much for the moment, but when it comes to legacy. I do think there's going to be a greater conversation about his resume further down the line. I, I didn't think John Jones spent two minutes after the fight to still now talking about his resume and how it doesn't compare to his. But it does feel like we've lost someone very much in their fighting prime. Yeah, and um, and people were talking about how it was kind of great for the division. It kind of opens it up, but it does also feel a little bit like a, a vacant throne just doesn't feel the same sort of thing. Does it? Yeah, if they no. make, you know, Connor versus Poirier for the for the full belt, you know, it's a fair play to either of them getting it because they are obviously top top fighters. But there is a feeling of I don't know if hollow is maybe too harsh, but it, it would feel a little bit to me. Well, going into the next one, Khabib to me had started to feel like Mayweather in how is he going to win rather than who's going to win out of the two of them. And this obviously being the closest one in terms of picking other people to beat him. But you tune in just to see the greatness at this stage. And I made the wise choice in that I unfollowed a lot of the people that kind of put me off Khabib. And they did put me off with a lot of his manager's talk and that mm. kind of thing, with, yeah. particularly with the McGregor thing, because it was like, 
I like that Khabib didn't pretend to like McGregor after because I hate that. And we've said that on here plenty of times before. Mm-hmm. Like Khabib won't even say his name. He just says yeah. this guy. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I like that. I didn't need all the stuff with it in having had a rampage against him. But it does completely open it up. We've seen people talking about tournaments, which is never going to happen. <laughs> you think if you're the UFC, it's not confirmed yet, but it's looking like we're going to have McGregor against Poirier 2 in January. And as much as it probably shouldn't be the title fight, it makes all the sense in the world to just put the belt on that fight to add an extra spice to it because Gaethje is is the number one in the rankings. But I don't want to see him against Conor in six weeks after he's just gone through a whole camp. No, no, no. I, I'd like to see it down the line. I do think that's a re- that's really fun. That it, fight. it is. I do actually think the way the division is now, it's opened up perfectly in the way that every person in this top five, if you look at Ferguson, Gaethje, Poirier as the main contenders, even Hook, if you put Hooker in there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all do get hit for fun, but they all also put a pace on you that you've never seen before in your life. And so yeah. for every single one, it's going to be the, you ask someone for their prediction, it's Conor McGregor early or such and such late, as if that's a genuine prediction, not <laughs> covering all bases. But every single time, yeah. That is how it's going to be for all of these future McGregor fights. You can sell all of them, can't you? Yeah. No, you're, you're assuming Conor has the belt in that case. I think with Poirier, um, I watched him get pinged a lot by Dan Hooker and as much as he can put a pace on you it's foolish to to not acknowledge just how hard McGregor hits and just how technical of a striker he is no I'm I'm, I'm with you to be honest I'm as much as I, I like the fight and Poirier is obviously better than he was obviously the first time he took him on I'm, I can't say it gets me overly excited um, I'll be excited when it comes down to it but oh y- yeah more the excited that it's a funny thing, isn't it? It's a funny thing with Poirier that he's kind of, I'd say he's more high level than a lot of guys, but maybe just doesn't have, like you said about, say, like Gaethje puts a pace on you, and when there's Lakers, whatever, he's kind of got a specialist thing where you can make a case for him. His, his grip, basically. Yeah, whereas with Poirier, you know, if you're doing like a kind of a wheel, he's got an all round great skill set, but what is he doing? specialist enough that's going to beat McGregor it's, that it's guillotine and he jumps out of nowhere um, yeah, yeah would be pretty special he's, he's just gritty isn't he he's got that to him as well hasn't he as well as having a decent skill set he's you know yeah like you said he's tough and he'll, he'll stick it out with you but um, it's also, as much as we say with Gaethje Poirier is as guaranteed to give you a firefight as Gaethje is yeah yeah he is isn't he actually it's um Gaethje kind of done well to kind of steal the uh, the limelight of most violent man or whatever. I know Alvarez obviously ended up beating him in that. Well, you look at he's got that tag, hasn't he? Poirier's run from 2017. So he lost to Michael Johnson in 2016. He then beat Jim Miller on a decision. What career Michael Johnson's had, by the way? Just some random like moments here and there, just incredible. But from there, he had that two rounds with Eddie Alvarez where. Eddie landed the illegal knee 
to yeah. Poirier. Then he had Pettis, where he brutalised him, if you can remember how bloody that was, and then yeah. he popped Pettis' rib. Then he had the fight with Gaethje, which is one of my favourite fights of all time, um, went to four rounds. He then knocked out Eddie Alvarez. He then beats Max Holloway in that five rounds war. That was a great, great fight. He then had great a big fight where he looked for about 30 seconds like he was going to do Khabib mm. with when he pushed him back and then jumped the guillotine. And then Dan Hooker is going to be up there fight of the year. So he he's crazy. It's a hell of a resume when you, when you break it down. Because Dan Hooker at the same time, you look, he had the war with Paul Felder mm. and he had the war with Poirier as his last two. Two unreal fights. And then you've got Tony Ferguson, who is Tony Ferguson. Be interesting to see how he comes back. You've got Michael Chandler in the mix, though I wouldn't pick him against probably the highest rated guy I would give him a chance against is probably Felder. Yeah, because I see that people are trying to seemingly kind of talk him into it a little bit, whereas I, I don't know because I haven't watched probably enough of him in Bellator, for example, to it would have been a lot more make a cross-comparison. About nine years ago. I, I did I did wonder this, whether we the, were kind the of... The most get... exciting fights on his, he, he had a trilogy with Eddie Alvarez. Hmm. So that puts you shows in the you timeline time yeah. of things. Yeah, exactly. I, I did kind of like thinking... his thing that he was going over there as a stat, like a sub. I did kind of like, yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. I was thinking how fun a Gaethje Nate fight would be. I'd never thought about it before until yesterday. And then I was like, this would actually be unbelievable. Nate's poor legs. <laughs> yeah. But then Nate <laughs> Nate like is good with leg kicks as well, and Nate also is going to put a pace on Gaethje if he doesn't take him out within about thirty seconds. So that would be one where, as much as the Masvidal one we look forward to, but did acknowledge the size difference, this would be two people of the same size. We missed out on having Poirier against Nate when Poirier got injured. Yeah, Nate's in a funny spot now, isn't he? Where he's kind of got. A McGregor fight and a Masvidal fight that he probably thought he could tap into at any point. Now he probably can't tap into either of those at any point. And if he takes on one of the other guys, he's probably is going to lose. So he's in a strange, strange spot. Yeah. Um, if he went to fight with Poirier, for example, you'd be thinking, they will lose. Yeah, I, I had money all, like in advance on Poirier um, to knock him out. Yeah, as much as, you know, it'd be a fun fight. I know who I'd think would win. But there's a lot of people in that lightweight division that are suddenly very happy that the path to the title doesn't go through Khabib anymore. I think pretty much everyone, aren't they? I think. Yeah, McGregor will tell you otherwise, but his exhaustion at the end of the fight and the look on his face should tell you that he's pretty chuffed to not be doing, not have to do that again. I've watched that man now for his face perfectly encapsulated what I would imagine it was like to be in there it just looks like a bloke drowning we watched that Barboza fight together and at the end of the Barboza fight they showed his face and Rogan says look at his face that is a man that looks terrified that he's still got another round left yeah 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 but I am pretty sure they'll do Poirier McGregor for the belt 
and then Gaethje is in an awkward predicament because yeah, that's he's it, already it? lost to Poirier. He's just lost, but then he's beat Ferguson, so that's kind of probably would have been your number one contender spot. One of the bonuses for him is that he'll probably accept less money than Poirier will. So if Poirier doesn't get the deal tied down, we've seen before, they won't wait around and they probably will say to Gaethje, look, are you ready for January? Yeah, you are right. And then him and McGregor do have a... Not a proper yeah. beef, but they do have something there that they've kind of said had some back and forth with each other. So, yeah, and and it looked like McGregor prior to COVID coming, that this Gage was going to be the next one, didn't it? it looked like yeah. from so that's uh, always so. With uh, I, I can probably imagine what the answer would be. Do you think Khabib does stay retired? Do you think anything can get him back? I do. Th- I do think he will. I know his his manager tweeted out saying the belt's not vacant, and it was like. Just at least let the man retire for a couple of days before you start throwing this up. Yeah, um, yeah. GSP said that he respects Khabib enough to not try and push for this fight because if a man's retired, a man's retired kind of thing. And I don't think Khabib comes back for a lot more. I would say, as much as people say, it's not about money for Khabib. It's like, you don't like pizza. If I offered you 20 quid to eat a pizza then you'd probably be considering it more than for free and or for a fiver and could be for what he's already on probably wouldn't but if he gets offered a significant raise on what he's at if he doesn't have too long out where he thinks it's a legitimate challenge the issue would be convincing him that someone's enough of a challenge to make it worth that kind of cash yeah, and Dana has to think that someone's worth that much of a challenge to to do it. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I just I, of all the I people think, who normally come back, he doesn't seem like the one who can be dragged out like most of them. No, I think what we're going to see is the narrative is going to change pretty quickly from Khabib being the greatest of all time to being the the most physically dominant of all time because. As much as you dislike Jones, his resume does speak for itself. But then I do agree with DC saying that if you failed a ped test, you shouldn't be on the GOAT list. Like Barry Bonds isn't called the GOAT of baseball. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's, it's, you know, with Jones, really is, there's been so much, it's really hard to tell. Yeah. You know, how much or little that's, that's been on. Uh, yeah, he could end up just getting called like the best lightweight ever, couldn't he? And then you're in a bit of a... Even then, people will be talking about BJ Penn and all sorts. Yeah, yeah, true. Jones yeah. seemed to be annoyed that Khabib basically said, I want to be called the best pound for pounds, and the UFC said, yeah, sound, yeah. <laughs> <That's all right. laughs> I can kind of see his point. He said, oh, since we're just asking what we're going to do, we'll go with that. I can kind of see it. But I, I thought Jones's Twitter antics were kind of playing himself a little bit. He did it when I, DC I kind of retired. You don't, you don't need after. to say it. If you, if you consider yourself to get you don't need to be sort of that insecure that you've got to say these things, yeah. surely. He did it straight after DC retired. Yeah, yeah, he, he did, didn't he? So, DC putting his goat list up on screen and having himself at four. was <laughs> interesting as well. Good man. He had himself tied with Cejudo. Yeah, and look, then, everyone's talking about goats. Everyone's getting Henry's already declared himself the goats. So. And then he, he had Nunes at five. 
Virtue Sigma. Biggest shame of all things is we've got so many dimes in the UFC now, and the first one that has their tip pop out is Lauren Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> we really didn't need to see mid-fight, but there we go. I think that should just about do us. Um, over two hours, five guests. We can maybe say Cam was here with us. He just didn't chip in much. We can see Sean came back. He just didn't chip in much. So 200. Here's to the next 200, as they say. Indeed. It really is more than 200 because we have a separate pod, but 200 of the official spitballing pod. So there we go. Maybe we'll do something for the four-year anniversary in February. Just reel out as many things as we can. But there we go. Thanks again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. We'll be back Thursday with Friday, sorry, with Movie Madness, The Fugitive Against Man on Fire. And then next Monday we'll be back again doing the thing. So thanks again. We'll be back. Goodbye.